Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He is Zach Goodman. Zachum. Zachum Goodman. Who forgot to get the reads? So yeah, Zach forgot. Me, <laughs> Zach forgot to get the reads. Let me jump out immediately and do that. And uh, so yeah, so this show is brought to you by me. Hi, I'm Paul Valley. I'm wearing an Orioles shirt because I'm going to the Orioles game today. Zach's gonna get those reads here in just a moment. And in the meantime, the Orioles got their brains blasted in last night, thirteen to one at the hands of the Seattle Mariners. And ugh. What a game. Honestly, in the first inning, in the first inning, I thought that Kyle Gibson's stuff looked good. He made he made Julio Rodriguez look foolish on a strikeout in the first inning. I thought his stuff looked good. Second inning, let's be honest here, a run shouldn't have scored in that second inning. There was a ground ball up the middle that um, to Adam Frazier's backhand side. And yes, the ball was hit hard, but not hit so hard that he shouldn't have fielded it. The ball goes right under his glove. It would have mm-hmm. been a tailor-made double play. They would have been out of the inning without allowing a run to score. Yeah. Instead, it goes under his glove. Um, the, the runner from first goes to third, scores on a... He scored on a sacrifice fly. No, no, no. That was the next inning. He scored on a, on a base hit. Okay. Yeah. Right? Um, then the next inning, a run scores on a sacrifice fly that was maybe 45 feet behind the infield. And Austin Hayes didn't even try to throw home. One of the better arms in baseball in the outfield doesn't try to throw the ball home, and the guy scores. Yeah, I understand yeah. why he didn't throw home. He didn't throw home because there was a guy on first base. And he doesn't want that guy taking the extra sure, base sure. if he doesn't get the guy at the plate. My argument is if you nab that guy at the plate, you're out of the inning, and now your team has all of this yeah. momentum heading into the next inning because you just made an exciting play at the plate. Well, Not okay. saying that right, it, I mean, you have the chance to turn a double play there. Like, you right. you, you got to try to make that play if you can. Like, it, there, it, there, is, there is really no excuse for it. If you have two outs, which as he catches that ball, you have two outs, there is really no excuse for not throwing home. You, you don't worry about the runner at first base at that point. Right. So that's just the team being asleep across the board, and I think that's kind of what you're looking at. But also when Kyle Gibson gives up seven earned runs... Five. He gave up five. Five, sorry, excuse me. He gave up seven hits. Seven hits, that's what it was. Um, I I look at that and I go, that gets you out of this game pretty quickly in, you know, not even four innings. And that gets you almost out of the game. So when the offense has been kind of sputtering as it has over these past few days, you look at Austin Hayes and it's just another You've, it's another product of this team being asleep right now. Your your team has not been scoring a ton of runs. No. Yeah, you, you you go back and you you've scored 8 runs um in that game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. You scored 11 runs on back-to-back days against Kansas City and um But to note Tyler Glass now gave up what? 6 of the 8, I think he did. So and then they didn't yeah. score for like the rest of the game. It was like Yeah, they got a they, they got or, a run in the 8th inning. Okay, yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, that yeah. game. Right. But and look, this is this is nothing against Austin Hayes because he's he's leading the American League in hitting. The Orioles had yeah. 3 hits last yeah. night. He had one of them. Um, so it's nothing against him. It's just that's a, that's an instance where it's like, you know what? I've got a really good arm. This is something that can infuse some life into my team yeah. that's looked flat to this point. Because if you remember how that guy got on third base, mm-hmm. it was Ty France. He was on first base on a ground ball up the middle. And Aaron Hicks, the, the broadcasters were saying, uh, it was, Kevin Brown said, um... Well, he saw he he looked at Aaron Hicks and saw how deep he was playing and took third base. No, that's not what happened. He looked at Aaron Hicks and saw Aaron Hicks basically walking to the baseball right, right, and right, took right, third right. base on Aaron Hicks lollygagging after baseball. So the yeah. guy shouldn't have been on third base to begin with. Now, if you catch that fly ball, you throw home and you nab him out at, at, 
at the plate, there's a little bit of life injected into your team. Maybe you don't muster just three hits in one run. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and look, too, Aaron Hicks is brought in here, obviously, to, to hit and play good defense, which we know he does, especially on the defensive side. He's brought in here to be a leader and set an example. And when Austin Hayes sees him doing that, that's not a good example to set to anybody, especially not given the the young crowd that your entire team is, basically. I mean, every, every guy is is on the on the younger side. They're one of the younger teams in baseball. So mm-hmm. that's a terrible example for Aaron Hicks to set. You, right. you, you don't I, lollygag balls. I don't, I don't know that Austin Hayes sees that and has any kind of – because Austin Hayes has been Maybe, around long but, enough. But he's, it's been, cer- he's been here six years. But it certainly doesn't help your energy. If yeah. you see Aaron Hicks do that, it's not like a – an extremely uh, ex- exciting play to watch from from Austin Hayes' perspective. I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I'm in a, I'm playing in a baseball game last Sunday, okay. and I'm playing center field. Guy hits a bloop single in the center field. I um, it was a guy who had, who had tripled into the gap earlier in the game, and it was a monster shot. So I'm playing them a little bit deeper. He hits a, a little bloop single in the center field. I come in and I grab it, and there was a guy on second base. He stops at third. I see him stop, and I see him coming back to third base. Well. Because my teammates in the infield hear the coach saying, go, 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 I'm watching the guy coming back to third base. They're saying, throw home, throw home. Meanwhile, I've got three cutoff men in the middle of the infield. Mm -hmm. Nobody's covering second base. Not one person is covering second base. So while they're they're yelling for me to throw home, the guy who had the bloop single is now running to second base with nobody to throw to to tag him out. And I throw it into the the closest cutoff man, who's the first baseman standing in front of the pitcher's mound. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I and I yell, "Why are we saying go home when the guy's going back to third? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's stuff like that where your team's head's not in the game. Well, it's a lack of awareness overall. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's that that it sets a tone for the game. Right. And in, and at that point, in I believe it was the third inning. In the third inning, at that point, you're looking at it and you're saying, the the team looked flat from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They looked absolutely flat, flat from the beginning. And then you're watching team the players on your team like Adley, who usually take really good at bats and don't have ugly swings. Look really bad mm-hmm. at the plate. Look really bad at the plate, and the because the tone has been set. Now look, thirteen to one, you lose that ball game. You're not out of that game until Keegan Aiken gives right. up six it's runs. Six hundred runs, right? And, and and the thing is, the Orioles had just gotten the home run from Anthony Santander in mm-hmm. the seventh inning. They had just gotten that home run to make it six to to make it six to one, and it's like you know what? If they can find a way to score a couple of runs because they have done that in the past. And, and Seattle's back end of their bullpen isn't great, mm-hmm. right? So you're thinking if they can somehow knock Gilbert out of the game in the seventh or eighth inning and scratch and claw their way back into the game, you're looking at maybe this is, this can turn into something. Right. Well, Keegan Aiken comes and he immediately gives that run back, and then five more, right? And you, you end up losing that ball game. I'm sorry, six more because they scored seven in the eighth inning. You, yeah, you lose a ball right. game thirteen to one. He was only charged for six, though. I believe it was seven. It was. He was are you sure? Oh no, he, one, uh, one might have been unearned though, because I I swear it was six earned runs that I, I saw. Yeah, the, I think it was in the line I, that I saw him. in the box. Or either way, it's it, yeah. You know, we're splitting hairs. It's awful. Sure, right, <laughs> it's, right. Well, then, it's it's basically on par with what Keegan Aiken done for the past two years. He's had these stretches for you know a month or two where he looks like a the guy that made him one of the better prospects in the Orioles organization at one point. But for ninety percent of the time, compared to the ten percent of the time he actually has been good, he's been pretty bad. And well, last the, night was just another great example of that. The last game that Keegan Aiken came, Keegan Aiken came into, I think it was two days ago. I think I, I think it was on a what Wednesday. I think so. So three days ago, it was Wednesday game. The Orioles played at twelve ten, and they're trailing. But it's oh, not, you're you're right. It was it, it was it's, that it's game. not yeah. it's not a bad game. 
Um, I think they were down something like four to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keegan Hicken comes in. There's runners on first and second, and he strikes two guys out to get out of the inning. And yeah. and I and I, you know, I praised him. I was like, he came in and did the damn thing. He did his job and kept the Orioles in the game. Well, then the next thing he comes out, he starts the inning and gives up two runs. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's just like. And it's it's a microcosm of the Orioles bullpen in general. <clears throat> Excuse me. You do you trust Brian Baker? Absolutely not. Do you Sometimes. Trust, <laughs> do you do you trust Keegan Aiken? Absolutely not. No do you way. Tru- do you trust Mike Bauman? Absolutely not. My answer, my answer for for Baker and Bauman is sometimes. I think you you sometimes get good. No, outings but but out but, of them and but you, you you sometimes get good outings. Do you ever feel comfortable when they come into the game? Do you ever feel Bauman more so? I mean. I, Brian Baker to me is very, very all over the board. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get an absolutely great outing where he's ninety nine, hundred miles an hour, and the, and the stuff looks great, and he's just blowing everyone away. And then sometimes he'll come out there and everything is just flat. Yeah, like the energy from the Orioles last night. Yeah, Brian Baker is very unpredictable, and I feel like you get a more consistent product from Michael Ballman, where he's kind of doing the same thing. It's just some teams hit him and some teams don't, and yeah. that's kind of the way it has been for I, and, Ballman. And I, I think I can gr- agree to that to a certain to a certain extent. But really, the only guys that you're trusting right now are Danny Coulomb. Uh, yeah, y- most Yenier of the time. I mean, Cano. not always. But I mean, his ERA is two and a half. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's been really good. Y- Yenny sure. Cano's ERA is point nine six. Mm-hmm. Felix Bautista's ERA is like. 103. Has, has the whip drastically come down over the past week for Cano? Because I know we talked I about mean, last I, week it was 1-8, I think. Who's monitoring that? Uh, sure. You, you know what I mean? Like, I it, mean, well, I can look up the total whip. It's kind of going to be skewed by the 23 scoreless appearances or whatever it was. But um, I think it was like 14. 14, that's all yeah. it was? Oh. Yeah, it, it, it I'm, felt, I'm, I'm it giving him way too much credit. It felt like 23. But I mean, yeah, I, I think the whip has... Because the 1.8 was over his previous 12 outings. And, and I think he's had three outings maybe since last Saturday. And I don't think he's given up many base runners in those three outings. But the whip is at point eight oh four, so right. that's quite good. But if you go to his <laughs> if, if you go to his game logs and you highlight his last outing since last Saturday, you can see what his whip is over that time span. Really, right. you can figure right. it out just by hit. But it's not going to tell you his whip in the little window, but it'll tell you how many hits and how many walks he's allowed in his last outing since last Saturday. Yeah, and I don't know that he's even allowed a base runner. So. Look, he he's having a good year. Felix Bautista's having a good year. Danny Coleman's having a good year. But the bottom line is, the Orioles need middle relief help. They absolutely. And we oh, talked about we, we talked about it last week. They absolutely need middle relief help. And but but that doesn't even matter if your starting pitching is letting you down. Which you right. arguably your two most your two best and most consistent starters this year have been Tyler Wells and Kyle Gibson. Oh yeah, and sure. their last two outings they've combined for eight innings. And nine runs allowed. Yeah. That, well, that's that's not going to get it done. A lot of people have said, you know, the Orioles need a bat. We've talked about that over and over. How they don't really have a middle of the order bat. And then you kind of see Ryan O'Hearn becoming that. Maybe maybe that's the guy. Maybe Jordan Westberg's the guy. Maybe it doesn't come from outside of the organization. Then starting pitching, that's arguably much more of a need right now. But I think middle relief help is where you're really going to see the Orioles actually capitalize at the trade deadline. That's the most realistic option because, number one, it's the easiest to get. You look at Danny Coolum. He was picked up the day before the season started or the mm-hmm. day off. I can't remember which one it was. Danny, it, was, it was the week of, I know the, that. The week of, yeah, right. This is a guy who was basically cast aside by Minnesota, and he had had good years in the past. These guys are not that hard to find. You can find guys like CNL Perez last year who put up a 1.9 ERA or whatever it was. They may not last for a long time, but they might give you immediate help where you need it. So I think the Orioles, that's their most realistic trade opportunity when it comes to uh, the trade deadline in, what is it, August 2nd this year? Yeah. Um, that's... A very realistic opportunity for them, and to get guys like Keegan Aiken and CNL Perez out of the bullpen 
and replace them with better options. Yeah, and, and you know, lost in all this is CNL Perez was really good last night. I don't buy it. it well, I, I know you don't buy it. And it was in mop-up duty, more or less. Well, yeah, but how many times have we seen him come into mop-up duty and give up five runs? <laughs> That's fair. You know, his ERA is 5.55, but he went in there last night and he pitched really well. He, uh, I don't think he gave up a base runner, which, in two innings. When was the last time you saw CNL Perez come into a game and not he, give up? He gave up one hit, yeah, one, but one struck hit, out three. One hit in two innings and struck out three. It's probably maybe his best best outing of the year. And maybe because it's a low-pressure situation for him. And maybe he's he's not thinking as much. But if they can get him going, that's a big, big help. You know, he, at this point, you know he's not going to end the year with an yeah. ERA that looks good. But if they can somehow find a way to get him going, it will... It's gonna help this. It's gonna help this team a good bit. Well, looking at it, the last time he pitched well was uh, June tenth against Kansas City, where he threw one two thirds, only gave up a hit, no earned runs, got one strikeout in that outing, and that's a a hold for him because they ended up winning that game six to one. That was a pretty good outing, but then he had an outing with two earned runs, then two earned runs again, and then finally last night has probably the best outing of a season or close to it. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's reason for hope, I guess, but still, in his last four appearances, foreign runs. Well, yeah, but I mean, the the one was just he had a big blow up one recently, right? Well, six sixteen uh, was two earned runs, and six thirteen was also two earned runs. So nothing drastic, but he, I think you're thinking of a game in May because I I remember a a blow up game from him in May, but I, I could be wrong. Well, yeah, if you go back to the end of May, if you go back to May, I'm sorry, the beginning of May, the beginning of May, from May 2nd through yesterday, he's had 16 games, the ERA is 506, but he has scoreless, scoreless outings, actually, if you go back to April 30th, he has scoreless outings in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 of his 16 outings. Wow. Um, So it's, the problem is he gives up a lot of base runners, and how many of the times, how many of those scoreless outings did he allow an inherited runner to score? Right, and the whip is basically two. Yeah, so that's cause for huge concern. That that's mm-hmm. one of the things that makes me think he's not going to get back to anywhere close to what that one point four ERA and a one point one six two whip last year was. It, it's just not the same guy. But well, that's that's often for what happens for middle relief options, and they have one good year and then they kind of fall off. We see that a lot, so it's not entirely surprising. Well, with, yeah, but with but 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 the other thing is, <clears throat> and I guess my overall point is, you know, it's in there, right? You know, it's in there to be a I, dominant reliever. I would hope so. And he looked really good yesterday uh, against. You know, the Mariners, they've been struggling this year, but they're not a bad team. I'm not sure what to think about them yet. I haven't gotten a, a really good look at them um, other than, you know, what they've played against the Orioles. But I, they're not as good as they were last year, it seems like to me. But they have, but they have a better... Well, they're Robbie, coached really well. And, and they, they, lo- they lost Robbie Ray. They did the, lose Robbie Ray. For the year, I yeah. believe. Um, I would think that, they're, that they, they should be better. Than what they were last. They should year. be on paper. They would be, but you know, until last night, uh, Gilbert hasn't hadn't pitched well this year, and you know, Julio Rodriguez has really struggled at the plate. They haven't gotten much out of their offense, uh, as much out of their offense as you would have thought that they would have. Right. So I don't know. I, the Mariners are also kind of one of those teams where they they kind of do this, right? Where they 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 kind of like they look flat the first half of the year, and then right around the All Star break, they start to pick things up. Well, they're and very then, much like the Blue Jays to me, very similar in every way. Like the roster construction, 
the way they are playing right now, I think it's very similar. And they may end up as a worse team than the Jays. I, I think that's pretty expected. But uh, the, the way they operate reminds me in a lot of ways of the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, the Blue Jays are, are, are so confounding to me because they have so much talent. They do. I mean, arguably most talented roster. Same with the, uh, the, the Padres and the Blue Jays are right up there with the, the most talented rosters in baseball. Which is crazy because in the Padres instance, they have Bob Melvin as their manager. They have no yeah. reason to yeah. not um, be a really good team. They, they get injured often. I mean, there's some guys on that team. Like, obviously, Fernando Tatis missed so much time in the past two years. That, well, but, that that's but, part of the reason I think last year really threw them off. But well, he missed all of last year because of steroids. So well, is is that what it was? I thought it, it was the motorcycle thing, or was that two years ago? No, he he got popped for PEDs last year. I know he did, but I didn't know if that was the whole suspension or well, if that was well, injury and suspension. So and that's why he missed the beginning of this year. So last okay, year he okay, had the motorcycle okay. incident where yeah. he had, and then he had, where he had the the year before he had the shoulder issue where, that's where what like it was. he separated okay. his shoulder on a on a wild swing, um, and then he comes back. Then he hurt. He breaks his wrist uh, in a motorcycle accident, and then as he's on his on the comeback trail, gets popped for PEDs, right. gets suspended right. for eighty games, which lasted all of the rest of last year and into this year. That's why he didn't play for the first month of the season. And look, but a team that has Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, there's no reason that. They shouldn't be well above, especially right. when you look at the rotation they have and what, and what Blake Snell has been doing recently. There's no reason for them to be as bad as they are. Well, Manny Machado was on the injured list for a little bit, but I'm just looking at his numbers right now, and he has been very average this year across yeah. the board. OPS of 710, his on base is 297. That's for Manny Machado. That's probably the worst year of his career. Yeah, I, he, I think he got, he got off to a really slow start. He yeah, came, when he, he did. came off the IL, he was he was he's been, he's been playing a little bit better since he came off the IL. But 50 to 15 strikeout to walk ratio, though, that's quite concerning, especially for Machado, who really historically is, has been not a, a horrible uh, approach at the plate and, and walked quite a bit in his career. I mean, 528 career walks already over just you know 12 years. That's that's pretty good numbers. He and Bryce Harper have identical numbers. Oh, yeah, I, I the, saw that stat yeah, the other they, day. They have they, like, they, it, across the postseason, across other things, they, they've been very yeah, similar, yeah. Yeah, Manny's on a Hall of Fame track. I, I wonder how much of it is... There was the whole thing with the contract in the offseason. So the, obviously the limelight's on him regardless. But then now it's, oh, well, we just gave you an 11-year extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we You opted out. We gave you an 11-year extension for 360-some-odd million dollars. Sure. Excuse me. Uh, that's going to keep you here till you're in your 40s. Um, basically, your, your career is going to end with the, with the San Diego Padres unless yeah. they trade you. Yeah. And you finished second in the MVP voting last year when you are you had a really good case to be the MVP last year. How much is he trying to earn that contract, and how much is he trying to be the MVP this year because he missed out last it's year? It's got to be part of it for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he's probably pressing it every at-bat right now. Only nine home runs so far in 60 games. The numbers are just not where Manny Machado usually is. And like I said, career-wise, it's probably, I mean, across the board, his worst season since probably 2012 when he was a rookie. And that's, you know, he had a 294 OBP in 2012, and right now yeah. he has a 297. It's actually pretty similar numbers so far in about a 55-game sample his, size if his you average it. 2017 wasn't great. I think he hit like 254 that year. 259, 310 OBP, 782 uh, OPS. We so still 72 points higher OPS than he is right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, so. it's also still June. It is June. It's, yeah, it's still June. He's gonna he's gonna turn along. He's this man, is he's only though the second time in his career that he's been under an OPS plus of 100. 
So uh, that was his rookie year in 2012, and this year so far he's been at 97 yeah. and 98. So. Yeah, not not healthy. Not no, exactly. I, I think healthy. he'll get there. Yeah, I, I think, he's Manny Machado. By the end of the year, he'll have like 25 home runs. So OBP will be like no, 310, he, he, 320. He'll probably have 30 home runs. Uh, he might get there. Yeah, he will. He's going to have 30 home runs. Um, want to remind you, today's show brought to you by PressBox Online Offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. A lot of people asking what Brandon Hyde, what what team Brandon Hyde is watching. Um, as he said yesterday, he thinks Jorge Mateo is a couple of at-bats away from breaking, from breaking out. And here's the thing. Your knee-jerk reaction is, what the hell are you watching? His own base percentage is sub-200 since May 1st. Yeah. He's got like eight hits since I the think end of April. I read his OPS plus is like 13. Yeah. In that and time Adam frame. Fraser's is 22. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they, they play every day. Right. They play every right. freaking day. When Jordan Westberg has already hit almost 20 home runs in the minor leagues this uh, year. Yeah. And uh, you have Joey Ortiz, who... You could literally fall out of bed and put up better numbers than that. You could fall out of bed. <laughs> Paul, could you put up better numbers than that? I could. <laughs> if you were in there right now? I could. <laughs> I could. No, I couldn't. My OPS plus would be like negative eight. All right. <laughs> th- th- there is not a chance in hell that I could do. I- 108% worse than the average major league hitter. Well, yeah. That's, that's something for you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess. Could it be worse? Could it be worse than that? No. I mean, you could be Chris Davis. Chris Davis is a far superior baseball player. Than I could ever. Uh, I, at, at this, I'm moment, aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. Chris Davis walking walking out of the shower in a towel is a far better player than I am at any point in my life. Um, Chris Davis. Funny enough, Chris Davis in 2020 had an OPS plus of negative eight. Did he really? <laughs> he actually did. Wow. He actually did. Wow. That was through 16 games. He hit 115 with a 164 on base percentage, and his OPS plus was uh, negative eight. That's, so Jorge Mateo is looking pretty good right now. That's awesome. The negative that, eight. <laughs> negative eight's great. a random number I threw out there. Yeah. You you asked me about Chris Davis. Negative eight. That's what he had. That's yep. that's awesome. That's, so I couldn't even do negative eight. I would be at like what a negative three hundred and seventy-two, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Has anybody in their entire career ever swung and missed at every pitch they saw? Because <laughs> that would be me. Probably. That would be me. Yeah. You know, I I play. I can tell you right now, I can't hit a ninety-five mile an hour fastball. I can't do that. There, I mean, you might make contact. It just may well, be like a well, ten if, mile an hour if, exit if, velocity. If I well, no. If I know you're throwing a ninety-five mile an hour fastball, and I know it's coming right down the middle of the plate, mm-hmm. and I get my swing started early. Yeah. I could probably put solid wood on it. Okay. I could probably put solid wood on it. But the thing is, I'm never going to know that that's coming. I'm never going to just say, oh, this guy's throwing me a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. Yeah. Let me uh, well. let me start my swing as he literally steps back on the rubber. Like, as he's, you know how like when you wind up, sure, yeah, you I, put your left foot back? Yep. It, as he's doing that is when I would have to start my swing. Yeah. The, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not a chance. Anyway... Off the rails. Um, the whole th- the whole point is, Brandon Hyde said he thinks Jorge Mateo is a couple of at bats away from breaking out. He's not the player he was. He, he's never been and is never going to be the player we thought he was in April. He's had two stretches in his entire career where he where he's been yeah. that player, right? And they both lasted about four weeks. What's Brandon Hyde supposed to say when they ask you about your starting everyday shortstop? What are you supposed to say? Right. I I get that. Right. I get that. That that was going to be my argument. The, the, Imme- immediately, that's what I would go to. The fact of the matter is, 
they've got to do something here soon. Yeah. I, I, and I, I tweeted about this. Baltimore's, Baltimore Orioles fans have this thing where they fall in love with underperforming middle infielders. Because we saw it last year with Ruth Neto Dorr, and we're seeing it this year with Adam Frazier. You have a half dozen big hits, and people forget about the fact that every other at-bat, you are a substandard offensive player. Yeah. And then last night, Adam Frazier's defense cost them a run. Right. So now you're looking at it, you're making making errors in the field, you're not putting the bat on the ball, he's hitting 220. His OPS is like 660. Mm -hmm. Then you look at, you're starting infield, can't hit their way, you're starting uh, middle infield, can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got your minor league player of the year from last year tearing up AAA. Now, look, he struggled a little bit recently. His average is down below. He was hitting over 300 all year, and his average is now down below 290. But he hit his 18th home run last night. He had a couple of hits. He's tearing. You're not going to tell me he can't be better offensively than Mateo and I, I, and Frazier. And Ortiz hasn't seen the field in like a year. <laughs> well, I, I look at He's it. He's getting the Kyle Stowers treatment. Forget Ortiz for a second. I look at the Westberg argument, and you go... Every number, if you look at it, has basically improved since 2022. Better batting average, better OBP, better slugging, uh, slightly worse OPS, but actually, no, I'm sorry, better OPS. There's nothing left to prove. He's been there for a year in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. He's done everything you could possibly ask him to do. The defense has been good enough. The, the power has been only increasing at 27 home runs last year. He's probably going to hit 30 this year if he stays in the minor leagues. Maybe 35. This guy has done everything you needed him to do. And Jorge Mateo is doing everything you can't have on a playoff contending baseball team. Yeah, and at some point, yes, you want to be strong defensively up the middle. But they will be. Jordan Westberg's but, not no slouch there. And, I mean, and, he's, and if he's going to play second base for you, he's a good second baseman. You can put Gunner at shortstop. Or you can put yep. Ortiz at yep. shortstop, and I guarantee you, A, you're getting more offense out of out of Ortiz than Mateo, and you're not yeah, losing so. anything defensively. You're really right. not losing anything defensively. So at this point, what are we waiting for? And, and for those people that are saying the Orioles don't want to call these players up because they don't want them to lose trade value if they're not good, that's not a thing. There's no justification here. That, there they, just isn't. That's not a thing thing that teams do. No. They're not going to not bring up a player that's going to make their team better because, oh, we want to trade him. If anything, Major League experience is going to make him more attractive. Yep. Because the team's going to go, okay, he's been up here for 35, 40 games. That makes a lot of sense. He has Major League experience. We can plug him right into our shortstop hole that we have. Whatever they want to do. I I think that makes him a very attractive player. And not only that, the minor league numbers are, they speak for themselves with Jordan Westberg. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get Stan the Fan on the line here. Uh, while Zach's doing that, I want to remind you the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, and you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, also, lost in all this, Spencer Watkins had a nice little run for the Orioles last year. A uh, nice 9 or 10 start stretch there where he pitched really well. He was DFA'd uh, earlier this week, and then he uh, was traded to Houston yesterday for cash considerations. Um, to me, even when Spencer Watkins pitched well, he never really came across to me as a big league pitcher. Struggled in AAA last year, struggled in, t- in AAA this year. 
Um, he came up to the majors a couple of times. I think he had one appearance this year for the, for the team. Um, it just wasn't it wasn't in the cards for for um, Spencer Watkins this season. And honestly, that's a, guys, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because we this team is beyond the point now where they should be having guys making appearances for them who aren't big league pitchers. And God loves Spencer Watkins. He had, like I said, had a nice little stretch for the Orioles last year. He's 30, 31 years old at this point. I think he was a 29-year-old rookie in 2021. And that's just not a, a pitcher that we want to see on the Orioles moving forward. This is a playoff caliber baseball team. And they need to start having players that, that indicate that. So, you know, God loves Spencer Watkins. Great guy. Just not a great big league pitcher. And and it's it it's so funny how we it's kind of like the Adam Frazier roof net door thing where we fall in love with these guys because they have they have moments of glory for your team but overall aren't good players anymore. And Spencer Watkins is one of those guys. Spencer Watkins came up for his first I think eight starts and was very good, like very good in a lot of ways. I think his ERA was like three ten, three twenty. The WHIP was good, and then he fell apart. And we yeah. haven't really seen, and he's had maybe one or two stretches since then, uh, since his rookie year. But I, I haven't seen a lot from Spencer Watkins that is going to make me upset here. Also, I can't seem to get Stan on the line, so hopefully we get a call back here in a second, uh, and we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Uh, and actually, Spencer Watkins did not have a big league appearance this year. Okay, um, right, right. Well, I, he got called up for long relief, but then he, he didn't he, end up He got up, called uh, up a couple in. of times, but never came in. I, right. I, I remember him warming up uh, in a game, but never actually got the call. But let's go back to last year for Spencer Watkins because there was a point last year where Spencer Watkins was a big part of the Orioles' rotation. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, he, he did for about have, a 10-game stretch. He had, he had a nice run, and it wasn't his first 10 starts. He, he So last year, Spencer Watkins, he went 5-6 and six in 23 games, 20 starts with a 470 ERA. There was a point where he started really good, and then he started to fall apart, and then he had a nice run in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, but... Never really put it to all together for a full season for the Orioles. And honestly, when you look at what, when you look at what he was, what he did last year. So let's see, his ERA in his first uh, four starts was two fifty five. Then he gave up three seven two. Well, no, he was he gave up three runs or less in um, what is this? Seven of his first eight. Oh wow. He actually had a really nice stretch here. He gave up three earned runs. No, he, he did at one point, but in, in, or less in. Yeah, in every start but one through the beginning of August. Right, and then in right. August, in August he started to fall apart, uh, and then in September he was just awful. He was just awful in September. But look, they the Orioles squeezed every little bit of juice out of Spencer Watkins that they could. Right. I, I don't think there's year. much more to say about him, really. Yeah. I mean, I, Houston probably <clears throat> thinks he's either a swingman or a guy they can plug in if they absolutely need to in an emergency. Well, he automatically got he, he immediately got option. He got to option triple A. That's all that. Immediately but, uh, got option to triple A. I, so I, they're not making that trade if they don't see him making a major league appearance this year. He will. Yeah. Absolutely make that. And it's not appearance. like they're they're lighting the world on fire. No, right. not really. I mean, yeah. it, Jose Abreu is still floundering. I mean, he's he's come on a little bit more as of late, but he's been horrible, and some of the guys in that lineup haven't really hit the way you expect them to, and Altuve has missed a chunk of time. So 
it's definitely a different team than I think everyone expected. I I think I put them in my at least my ALCS, if not World Series picks for this year, and, well, and they certainly haven't performed like that so far. Two weeks ago, when we did our June Power Rankings, I put the Houston Astros in my top five because I did not have them there because I think that top they're, 10. I think that they're just they're the Houston Astros, and if they get to the playoffs, you can't bet against them, right? But yeah, Jose Abreu two twenty five with four home runs and two seventy nine um, OBP. Uh, you look at what they're getting out of. I mean, they're getting nothing out of Altuve right now. I mean, just two forty five, three thirty nine, four fifteen, seven fifty four. Basically, is, a league average hitter. Uh, One hundred eight OPS plus. I mean, eight percent better. <laughs> he is far and away better than what the Orioles are getting out of uh, their middle infield. Well, that that's fair, but I think that's a pretty low bar when you look at Mateo's numbers. I mean, it's, which Mateo's numbers have to be among the bottom three shortstop numbers across the whole league. I would think. Yeah, offensively he's been um he's been awful. Yeah. He has been at, yeah. and it sucks, man, because you watched him at towards the end of spring training and he looked like he was like he had figured something out. A little bit of swing change, approach change, yeah. yeah. And then and he wasn't missing sliders. Right. Now he can't touch him. Uh, when he there wasn't a bat against Tyler Glass now the other day where he threw the exact same pitch in the exact same location three consecutive times. And Jorge Mateo's swing yeah. was the exact same swing. Uh, yeah. Each and every time. And he missed the ball each time by four, at least four inches. I mean, it, really, what it is is a pitch recognition thing. Like, he just doesn't <clears throat> see it out of the hand clearly. And Ryan Malcastle might as well be the same way. I, They both look the same when it comes to sliders. A lot of huge swings and, and little results out of them when it comes yeah. to sliders. They, they really just don't see the ball well. And... That's a problem that is going to be kind of hard to teach at this point in their career. It's I think what what the issue there is they're swinging at these sliders like they're fastballs. Right. They're right. swing. They're, they're seeing it out of the hand and they're thinking fastball, and they're not close. By the time that bat comes through the zone, that slider is five six inches off the plate. Yeah. Away. And they're swinging at it every right. single time. God, man, what what's happened with Ryan Mountcastle is like so disappointing. It is because it when, is. He, when he came up in in September. Of 2020, mm -hmm. and he immediately hits 333 with a 389 OBP. Yeah, he hits five yeah. home runs, and you're like, "Oh my God, this guy's the real deal." He's going to be, and then the next the year, cornerstone hitter. Yeah, he get, he gets off to a rough start in April, but then hits like 280 the rest of the year. He yeah. has 33 home runs, sets an Orioles rookie record, leads all rookies in home runs, and, uh, and he's a. I don't think he finished it even as a finalist for rookie of the year, but he won the Sporting News rookie of the right, year. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like. All right, man. This is only his first full season. Then last year, just bad. Just bad all the just, way. Just, yeah. And and he wasn't through June. Through right. June, he was actually really good. And then July, August, and September, he looked like what he's looked like all year this year. And, and then you're thinking, okay, he looked a lot better in spring training. April, yeah, he hit 244 in April, but he was a highly productive. He had a nine RBI game. Right, I know. He, he was a highly productive. He went from like player. 10 to 19 RBIs in one night. And Malcastle, by the way, I have to give a little credit to Matt Kremnitzer because Matt Kremnitzer once said, I think it was the day Malcastle came up in 2020, he tweeted, Guys, I know you're excited about Ryan Malcastle, but at the end of the day, he might end up a lot like Mike Moustakas. Yeah. And while I don't know if that's come completely true, especially defensively, I think he's a better defender than Mike Moustakas is. He's certainly hitting a lot like Mike Moustakis at the end of Mike Moustakis' career. So yeah. Mike Moustakis' career is still a thing. Well, it is, but he's barely... I, I mean, is he I don't, even playing I, every day? I don't think he plays, but he, uh, he yeah. still exists in the world today. I don't, I'm talking about like the last few years he's played actually full-time, like which hasn't been... So he's played 47 games for Colorado this year. He's actually having a pretty good year, funny enough. He's batting 270, 360, 
435. But last year, 214, 295, 345, 640, and 74 OPS plus. That's what I kind of expect out of Mike Moustakis at this point in his career. That's kind of what I think Matt Kramnitzer meant as well when he said that. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it in the Orioles banter. Ryan O'Hearn has just... I thought this guy was Stan for a second. I swear that I... <laughs> See, you, I got, saw, I got you saw the guy. I only saw the little dog. I'm like, there's a dog walking around I, I thought there. that guy was Stan. Looked like Stan. I was like, um, oh, Stan's here. He's coming into the studio with us. But um, that's not the case. Yeah. I, <laughs> Ryan Mountcastle, huge disappointment. Jorge Mateo, he fooled us in July last year. He fooled us in April. I'm not going to get fooled again. Because here's the other thing. Brandon Hyde said he thinks he's a couple of at-bats away from breaking out. Mateo, you mean, or Mountcastle? M- M- Mateo. Okay. Mateo. Okay. Um, okay, so if he's a couple of at-bats for breaking out. He breaks out for three weeks. Didn't Brandon Hyde say that like three weeks ago? Like, or, or a month ago or something like that? Like I, I swear Brandon Hyde said he's something along those lines. He's probably said it multiple times. Yeah, like he, he keeps saying Mateo's getting close he, or he sees something he likes in his swing or likes in the approach. I don't see anything I like in the approach. I'll what, tell you what that. What could I you mean, possibly <laughs> see in the swing that I, you like over the la- since May 1st? I mean, I, it's not much to like. Yeah. 13 OPS plus. It's, 13. Really, it's really bad. It's really bad. And even if he... Even if he Let's say he goes out today and gets three hits, right? And he steals a couple of bases. He helps the Orioles win a ball game six to two today, right? What's going to happen in three weeks when he's back to what we're seeing right now, all over again? Yeah. Because we've seen it enough now to know Jorge Mateo is more this player than he is that player, right? And something in the middle, I guess, is what it was last year. Like it, you're, you're kind of right in the middle of. Both of those things where you're no, almost he, a league average hitter. I he mean, hit, he hit 221 last year. Yeah, I mean, with a 267 on base percentage, still better than what he, still drastically no, better than what he's doing this year. No, I, this year's better. This year's better. This year okay. is better. His numbers this year. Maybe are it's better. been the stretch that's been kind of, uh, I guess, gets in the way of of that. But yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I like you said, there's been a few stretches in his career where he's he's put it all together, and you think he's there's a been, real deal. There's but been, there's been two. But oh nope nope. This year he is hitting 221 with a 260 on base percentage okay. and a 70 uh, OPS plus. Last year at 83, yeah, so 13 yeah. percent better. Man, look look at look at this. Adam Frazier, 221, 284. 379, 663. Jorge Mateo, 221, 260, 351, 611. I want to look at Adam Frazier's batting average on balls in play. Because, let's see. If we go back and look at this. I, I, I'm sorry that I do this in the middle of shows, and then I end up um, I end, batting average on balls in play. Adam Frazier this year, 223. 223 batting yeah, average get it done. on balls in play. What I was saying is, I like in the middle of shows, I'll try to look up a stat real quick, and then there's like dead air, and I hate doing that. By the way, some some baseball savant numbers uh, for Adam Frazier. Outs above average, he's in the first percentile, which indicates that he's been a really bad defender. I don't know if I've necessarily seen that. I mean, there's been a few plays like last night where you start to question it, but first percentile, which is the absolute worst you can be, that's surprising to me. Uh, arm strength in the sixth percentile. Uh, average exit velocity in the third. Hard hit percentage in the third. Not a lot of great numbers. There's barely anything that's actually positive for Adam Frazier outside of the K percentage, which we know he doesn't strike out a lot, and he's in the 95th percentile in that category. Yeah. So that's what we we know that. I mean, so, he, he, so his approach is thing, okay. Though. You don't want a guy that strikes out a lot, but if 
his batting average on balls in play is two twenty three, and when he's making contact, <laughs> more often than not, he's rolling over. Well, I was going to say, I mean, most of his exit velocity is probably under hundred. Look, look at his exit velocity. Okay, that, I will. That, that, I will do that. That, that number's got to be right there. Uh, his average exit velocity. You might have to give me a second to find it here because they have so much data packed into here. But I'll find it. Um, yeah, but I, I guarantee his his average exit velocity is in the blue. He doesn't hit balls hard. The only balls he hits. His average exit velocity is uh eighty six point one, and that is seventy fifth in Major League Baseball. Last year he was eighty five point one, which it was two hundred sixty second in Major League Baseball. So just a mile per hour can make a huge difference, I guess. Yeah, there. yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, the bottom line is the Orioles are 46 and 29. They're one of the better teams in baseball right now, record-wise. They mm-hmm. have a lot of issues in their lineup. Yeah. They have a lot of issues in their bullpen and they have a lot of issues in their starting rotation and since we were unable to get stand on the line and at this point there's just no point. Um yeah. We'll we'll just go over the talking points that we had for stand. Now Stan didn't want to talk about this, but we're going to um, the Adley versus Julio thing Let's because. Um, so let, let, let's start there. Last year, your two, your your top two vote getters, rookie of the year. Obviously, your rookie of the year winner, uh, Julio Rodriguez, is squaring off against Adley Rutschman, number two in in rookie of the year. Yep. We know that no team sports are ever a one versus one, but it's. The two teams that ha- that that are home to the two uh, finalists for rookie of the year squaring off in this three game series, and you have to wonder which player is off to the better start to their career. Now, Julio Rodriguez is, I think he's on pace for close to 200 strikeouts this year. He is not off to a good. He's start. already 86, so yeah, yeah, that would be yeah he's, about right. He's not off to a good start this year. He's hitting below 240, and then you look at Adley, who was on fire in April. And he's been a good offensive player. Yeah, uh, he's already on pace to hit more than twenty home runs this year. Uh, after hitting, he's got ten. Home, is it ten or eleven? I think he's got eleven home runs right now. I would say twelve, but I could be wrong. No, because Santan, Santander hit his twelfth last night, okay. and that's the the team lead um, for the Orioles. I think he's got eleven, right? So he's already two away from his career high that he set as a rookie. But no, he's got ten. Ten home runs. But He'll probably been, end up at what? <sighs> 1920 this year, most likely. Would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, he plays almost every. He plays yeah. just about every day. And Julio Rodriguez at the end of the year. I know you're going to get into that in a second, but he's at 12 right now. Probably ends up at like 30. You would you would have to assume. Yeah, he he had 25. Yeah. No, or he had 27 last year. He, he, had, uh, a, he 20, had a really good year. 28 last year. He had 28 home yeah. runs. I think he stole 25 bases last year. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> and what did he hit last year? Like two fifty. 284, 345, 509. This year has been... I didn't didn't realize the average was that high. 237, 301, 411. So every number drastically dropped. A really, really big drop-off. You look at Adley, 269, 379, 421, 800. He's a 125 OPS uh, hitter, which is actually not even close to the tops on the team. Um, 49 walks to 45 strikeouts. Mm -hmm. That's good. The average at 269. If you would just look, if you look at Adley Rutschman at the end of the year and you see he hit 269 with 20 some odd home runs, probably close to 70 runs batted in. It's a real that, nice that, year. It's a really nice year. Right. But right. when you look at the fact that he, he's actually one of the better hitters at home mm-hmm. in all of Major League Baseball. Going into last night, his OPS at home is 1024. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, like one of the better hitters. But is it, he looks a little lost at the plate. To me, when I say that, I mean 
He's still having good at bats. He's still getting on base. Obviously, if you're walking more and you're striking out, you're putting together good at bats. He's just not what you would call locked in right now. Yeah, he's th- that's that's a perfect way to yeah. put it. He's not locked no. in right now. No. There was a point in April, man, where I so every time he came to the plate, every game, you're like, he's getting on base two or three times. Yeah, well, it was like, it was like that week for Gunnar Henderson about what two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, where every. Basically, every at-bat, you knew he was going to get on base somehow. It was yeah. amazing, and, and, and that's and, what Rutschman did for a while. And look, Gunner, Gunner's having a having a decent year. You look at the two thirty nine batting average, but when you consider the fact he was below two hundred the better part of the first three months of the year, I mean, really, that average has crept up over over two over 230 in the last three weeks. Through the beginning of yeah. June, he was really off and to And is now past Rutschman in home runs. Yeah, I mean, he's, that's... He's past Rutschman in home runs. He's uh, second on the team in walks. He is. We're getting a call from Stan right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're, we'll 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 get Stan on the line. We'll talk with him for ten minutes. Uh, we got Stan the fan calling into the show right now. Not sure what happened there. Hope everything is okay. So we're gonna try and get Stan on the line for ten minutes. Want to remind you. Today's show brought to you by PressBox Online Offers. PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up today. Joining us better late than never, we have Stan the Fan Charles on the line. Stan, good morning. Everything okay over there? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. We are glad that you're doing well. Um, we were just talking about, about the Orioles, and we're talking about um, kind of the the offensive shortcomings from the middle infield stand, uh, namely Jorge Mateo and Adam Frazier. You look at Mateo, 221 uh, batting average at 260 on base percentage, worse than last year, believe it or not. Um since yeah. since May first, his OPS plus is thirteen. Adam Frazier's is twenty two. Um, yesterday, Brandon Hyde said that he thinks Jorge Mateo is a couple of at bats away from breaking out. Now, Stan, we also understand what is he supposed to say uh, about his starting shortstop when he's asked by the media. So we we understand that there's something to that. But at what point do the Orioles have to say, look, we cannot justify having these two guys in the middle of our in the middle of our infield and batting every single day? It's uh, it's not that far off. I mean, you know, um, Mateo's been very disappointing after after, especially after getting off to such a great start for the first three weeks or so. Been very disappointing, and uh, I, you know, I'm not just I'm just not sure when you make that move, but it seems like it's inevitable right now. Yeah, I I honestly thought that it was going to happen heading into this weekend. You look at. Everybody's been clamoring for Colton Kowser and for Jordan Westberg, who are having just incredible seasons at AAA. Honestly, probably not much left to prove down there. With Colton Kowser, you can at least understand that there's not really a spot for him because of everybody in the Orioles' outfield is performing right now, and that's before you even get Cedric Mullins back. So really, where do you put him? You're not going to call him up to replace McKenna and be a, a bench outfielder that plays once or twice a week. But with Jordan Westberg, there's no reason for him not to be here at this point. When you have two-thirds of your non-first base infielders really struggling, you have uh, uh, Joey Ortiz on your bench growing spider webs. Uh, there's at some point, it's like, what are we doing here? I just 
what could be the possible reason, Stan, that Jordan Westberg hasn't gotten a call yet? I wish I could answer that. I really don't have a good answer for it. You know, I think one of the one of the problems on this team is its bench, and uh, I I hear you with uh, you know you don't want to bring somebody up, but they had they have sort of brought somebody up. They brought Joey Ortiz up to sit, you know, most of the time. Yeah. So um, it's it seems like the rubber hits the road. You know, I'm just going to say it pretty flat out. The Orioles have been surprisingly good this season. This this homestand is a dangerous homestand for me. You know, yeah. uh, got a Seattle team that's kind of desperate to get get on a roll, um, and we don't even know who's going to pitch. Who's who's pitching tomorrow? We don't. We still don't know who's pitching tomorrow. Yeah. And then we've got a three game week. We got a three game homestand against uh, the hottest team in baseball right now, uh, Cincinnati Reds. This is not a nine game homestand where you want to go three and six or two and two and eight, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so and it's a. I think it's a very scary homestand, yeah, to we, be honest with you. We still don't know who's pitching for the Orioles tomorrow. We know Dean Kramer is going today. Um, I actually, I, mean, I, I would, I would think it's got to, uh, to me, it's got to be Cole Irvin tomorrow, you know. But di- didn't he just pitch in relief the other day, or did he not come in in that game? I, I, I know that he, in, he came in and the, I can't even remember if he pitched in any or not. He, oh, you know what? He did. He came in in relief on Wednesday, and he, he got the first right. two guys out, and they ended up giving up a run. Um, in relief right. in, in that inning. Right. And I don't know. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez, he just pitched four and a third innings on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. They, they, yeah. it, it probably wouldn't be him. I just I can't imagine who it's going to be at this point, Stan. And then you that's a microcosm of one of your – you wrote an article this past week, Stan, about um, your midseason observations. And the first point that you made – is that the rotation lacks a number, a true number one starter and an innings eater. And I kind of, when I read that, I kind of combated it because as of going into last night, the Orioles have four starters with 13-plus starts. Three of them have ERAs under four. The other in Dean Kramer is 6-2 and two with a 333 ERA since the beginning of May. And three of, the, three of those four starters are on pace for over 178 innings pitched this year. And the only reason Bradish isn't is because he missed a couple of starts with the injury. Um... So they actually have been pretty consistent, but then you look at what's happened the last two the last two games. Tyler Wells barely gets you through five innings. Kyle Gibson is just absolutely the worst he's ever looked in an Orioles uniform last night. Goes three innings, allowed seven yep. hits and five runs. And it really just magnifies your point that this team is really severely lacking um, a legitimate ace for the front end of this rotation. And now we don't even know who's starting for them tomorrow. Uh, talk a little bit about the Orioles' rotation and... Are they even? Can we trust that they're going to go out and get something done at the deadline? I was uh, actually pretty shocked when you you sent out your notes each week what you'd like to talk about, and I was very shocked that there was like three of these guys are are on pace for 170 innings plus. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't I haven't done a deep dive into the into the math on that, but it just it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it's really you know, when you have a seven nothing lead the other night and and it's both it's both the pitcher and the manager. I don't I don't know when Brandon is gonna I, I know it's a tricky thing with these innings, but 
you know, that was, that was like really to me was sort of a disastrous, even though we won the game eight to six, mm-hmm. it was disastrous that we were ahead seven, nothing. And he still had to get four innings out of his bullpen. You know, yeah. I think that's what you also see happening is the bullpen is just completely overworked. You know, they, 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 they're absolutely overworked. And the other thing with that, yeah. Stan, is at what point um, is Brandon High going to look at a starter who's given him, you know, five innings, goes out into the six, his, his pitch count's probably around 80, allows a base runner, and he takes him. He takes him out as soon as he allows a base runner. It seems to be what he does each and every time. To me, it's like this guy has earned his the right to pitch a little bit longer in this game, especially when you look at how overworked your bullpen is and how often – you're making multiple changes because your bull, your middle relievers just aren't any good. Uh, at some point, Stan, do you agree that you know maybe Hyde needs to trust his starters a little bit more than he has to this point? Well, I would I would say that I would I would definitely with still a five run lead in that game the other night I would have sent Bradish back out for the sixth inning. Yeah, you know I know so I think he was at ninety two pitches after five. Right, you know. I mean that's that's the real problem with Kramer and him and Gibson is that they throw so many pitches that you know you do you know you've got that eye it's sort of like an eye on the clock it's like you you hit a number that you just don't feel comfortable with and you know that's what Brandon's doing right now but something's got to give because the like you say Baker Bauman uh, you know they're just not. It's just not doing the job. Stan, do you remember any specific time where an Orioles starter threw more than 100 pitches? I, I can't think of one, and I'm not sure that Brandon Hyde trusts any of these guys enough to let him do that, especially a guy like Kyle Bradish who's only been you know in the league for about two years now. I, do you remember a time where that's happened yet? No, I, okay. I don't. Definitely uh, not this know. year. I no, it hasn't happened this year, no. Yeah. no. Yeah. Jordan Lyles Look, we, we, last year. We don't know. Yeah, Lyles probably last A couple of times do you think it's, it's Stan, yeah. do you think it's more likely that Kyle Gibson would be the guy if they were to stretch someone to 100 pitches than a guy like Kyle Bradish or Tyler Wells? Pro- probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the thing about Gibson is that generally what you're seeing is once that pitch count starts to get elevated, the, the, he's not getting over 100 pitches because he starts to struggle once that pitch count gets elevated a little bit. You, yeah. when, when he's pitching into the 6th and 7th inning, he's usually pretty pitch efficient. When he's coming out in the 5th, in the 6th inning, it's because his, his, his pitch count is approaching 100, right. and he's starting to give up more hits. I think he's one of those guys who kind of starts to deteriorate the higher his pitch count gets, as opposed to those guys who you see more recently, they get stronger as the game goes on. Yeah. Listen, the starting rotation is... Um... To me, it, overall, it's a it's a story about the failure of Cole Irvin, and really the failure. We can sit there and watch him, and I, you know, I I know why Mike Elias acquired Cole Irvin. You know, maybe it's that he's pitching for a team that's winning. You know, uh, where where the pressures are different, but they've got so little confidence in him right now. Uh, and I'm not even going to get into whether that's justified or not. But then you have the failure of Grayson Rodriguez, and that's really why the rotation is is sort of I won't say it's in shambles because you you make a strong case that they're they're actually pitching pretty well for the amount of 
of pitches they're throwing. But um, it's just it's it doesn't look good right now, you know, you to me. You don't have a guy that you're confident that can go out there and give you six or seven strong innings in the first game of a playoff series. You don't you don't have that guy. That guy was supposed to be um, Grayson Rodriguez. And Tyler Wells has looked that part a good bit this year, but he's also given up 19 home runs. So yeah. you, you don't want a guy that's going to go out there and, and give up the long ball like that. And you talk about Grayson, Stan, you know— his, he's been down in AAA for four starts now since getting demoted. Three of them, he's gone six innings pitched. He is basically dominant when he's pitching down there. The problem is he's not dominant at the big league level. At what point is it – you don't want a guy who's taking his lumps at the big league level, but he also has nothing to prove down there. What are they supposed to do at this point? Just keep starting him at AAA where he's got nothing left to prove or get him to, on the major league roster and find a way to have him lock it in up here? I would say that he still has something to prove down at AAA because the, the, the walks are just, you know, the walks are a sign that even when he, you know, his stuff is, is dominant enough to get AAA hitters out. It clearly wasn't good enough to get major league hitters out, you know. To me, that means development. You know. Yeah. I yeah. still think he's a. I think I still feel he's a very failed development, and I don't know who you blame for it. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but again, that and I think a lot of teams have the same situation where they have a pitcher that isn't fully developed because of the pandemic. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's that's the really unfortunate thing. If you don't lose that year, maybe we're not having this conversation because maybe the year that he's I having. I don't think we. I don't think we are. I, yeah. You know, you got two things. You got two things that really happened with him. You got the pandemic lost season, and then not that he didn't do anything, but it, it's a lost season of competitive, you know, pitching. Sure. And then you have the injury last year, and those two things have conspired to really call into question when he will be ready for the major league level. How much? I, I just look, I've watched, I've watched this with Kevin Gosman, who now is probably, you know, we'd probably agree. He's probably a top 15 starter in all of baseball. Yeah. Would we agree with that? Absolutely. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Uh, he, 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 he looked every bit as bad as Grayson Rodriguez did. So do I think he won't make it? Uh, Grayson won't make it eventually. No, I think he will. But I think, again, I think development is, supersedes need. And I think this organization really jumped the gun on him being ready for the big leagues. How much do you think that injury has has impacted him mechanically? Do you think that maybe there's something that he's doing to, to avoid that injury happening it's, again? I'm not that sophisticated on, sure. on pitching mechanics, but... Uh, that's a possibility. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. I, I, never... I just think I just think with with pitchers, I think you 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 know it sounds like we're it, it sounds overwhelmingly like we're afraid of wasting bullets. You know, as Buck Showalter used to say, down in the minor leagues, but the development isn't complete yet. And yeah. I think you I, I think you screw. You screw with a player when you go when when you sort of revert to well we need him. You you need him when he's ready, not you need him when he's not ready. And I think four starts that appear dominant 
but still show to me that he's allowing too many base runners. You know, there just aren't guys in the minor leagues that are hitting home runs off of. You know, but he's yeah. still giving up a little too much uh, action on the base pass. Yeah, you you can't deny that. I can't argue against that. There's something yeah. that's got to happen, which leads to our next and final point for this segment, Stan, and that's yeah. uh, Mike Elias has expectations from the fans that he has to meet at the deadline this year. For me, I don't know that he's going to go out and get a legitimate number one starting pitcher uh, I, because I think that there's just going to be too many teams that are that are looking to do the same thing. And how many? What pieces is he really going to want to part with? I think more than likely he's going to get a big time reliever or two to put into this bullpen because he's looking at what we talked about with the rotation where in June they've pitched to a sub four ERA and they're pitching well into the sixth inning uh, on average. It, he needs somebody that's got to bridge that gap to Cano and Bautista. What can we realistically expect out of Mike Elias? And do you think that with the expectations of this team to go out and put themselves over the top, that he's going to live up to those expectations? I was thinking about this last night at the ball game as I watched Kyle Gibson and uh, to me, I've, I've gone through a bunch of the names. You know, we we certainly love Corbin Burns, but Milwaukee's going to be in the hunt, so they're not likely to give him up. You know, um, and I think of Eduardo Rodriguez, who's got that opt out next year. I, the more I think about who they could get, I think the White Sox and Giolito is the is the uh, that that is a move that might get made. That's my opinion. Yeah, um, and I yeah. think Lucas Giolito would be a really nice fit for this team. And you know, he he's one of those yeah. guys. He's not too far from removed from being a Cy Young candidate. He's got a two point three WAR this year, three forty one ERA for a bad White Sox team. You know, and uh, yeah. that's a move that I could, that I could see happening. What's it going to take to get somebody like that, though? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's going to take to get, you know. I wish it would take Ryan Mountcastle on a prospect, <laughs> but uh, I'm just not sure. I mean, I'm thinking it's got to be two or three pieces and maybe you get another bench player in the deal or something like that coming back to us, you know. Um, he, he just seems like the right guy. He is a free agent at the end of the season. He's making $10 million this year. You know, some, somewhere down the road, the Orioles have got to be prepared to pay a pitcher like $20 million a year. Yeah, they, and uh, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's a three-year, the way you structure the deal, maybe you can get him on a three-year $65 million deal, but maybe the front end is a little, uh, you know, less, you know, maybe he goes from $10 million to 15 next year, but... That that seems like the guy to me. You know? Yeah, maybe you package. But, but I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't know what the package is. You know, they they clearly need a second baseman. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe Ortiz is in the deal, but you know, Ortiz is is not exactly um, you know shining bright right now with him. You know, with the way he's playing with the Orioles. You know, and I'm not, it's not a fault of his, but I'm just saying he's not hot. So is Westberg the guy? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering if maybe if you include in that Giolito trade uh, the reliever Keenan Middleton and you send them maybe Ramon Arias, uh, Joey Ortiz, and maybe a pitching pro- – maybe like a uh, – uh, what's his name? Jean Pinto 
or something like that. Maybe that's something that, that helps you get that deal done. The problem is, Stan, is that the Orioles, are, to get these players, the Orioles are going to have to part with guys that fans aren't going to want to part with. And it's going to be a situation where no matter what happens, you know that they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. If they go out and trade away some prospects, fans are going to be out with pitchforks and torches. And if they stand pat, pitchforks well, and torches. They, they, why would they be damned if they do if Giolito or somebody else came here and was a lot better than what they have. Oh, right I don't, now. I don't, I don't, I don't mean yeah. that. I, I mean from from a fan's perspective. I don't think overall. From, yeah. I just mean from a fan's perspective who doesn't want to part with a Joey Ortiz and a, and a Jordan Westberg would be upset about it, even if it is the correct move to make. That's all I meant by that. Right. But yeah. so, Stan, what do you got coming it's a, up? Go look, ahead. It's a it's a tr- it's a tricky it's a tricky needle they've got to thread, and uh, the question is really, are they ready to to really be a big time contender, or are they going to sort of recede uh, and not get it done this year? And I don't know this this home stand. Yeah, it's got me a little nervous. Yeah, it's it's for the first time this year. Yeah, especially with the Reds coming in who have won twelve straight, including a big win over the Braves last night. That what a game Woo! last night. That, what a game. Yeah, and that kid Dela Cruz gets a cycle in six innings. Wow. Yeah, he Unbelievable. was he's been absolutely incredible. Only the fourth time in major league history, Stan, where a game featured a guy hitting for a cycle and two different players have multi homer games. It was an absolute spectacle yep. last night. Stan, what do you got coming up yeah. this week? Uh, I got the Zooms on Monday and Thursday. Thursday, we're going to have one of the handicappers for Superbook.com. Uh, uh, it's going to be with us. Jay Hargitay is going to be with us. All right. We will look forward to that, Sam. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. See you. Bye. Now, with Stan the Fan, Charles, who has changed up the format for his weekly shows. Now, every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. And this week, Stan and Gary called, uh, called up with CFG Bank Arena General Manager Frank Remish. You can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox or find them the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. So join Stan Ross and Luke Jackson this Monday and every Monday night at 6 p.m. we got to catch our first break long overdue. When we come back in, Zach will sound off, and we'll go over the payoff pitch around the league. That's next on The Bat Around. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today 
The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome back in to the Bat Around, the latest edition of Press Box. It's available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact the late Tony Siragusa had both on and off the field in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue the legacy with the Goose Flights program. And also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox, it's available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Rolling right along here on the bat around. And so Zach had a sounding off segment today that was going to be about the participants in the home run derby. But because of our lack of time and the fact that they're still announcing contestants, we're going to push sounding off with Zach to next week. So at this point right now, it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. If I can get to my notes, I just went up too, too high. All right. Everything about the Orioles was terrible Friday as Kyle Gibson gave up five runs in three innings and the offense mustered just three hits as the Mariners made mincemeat out of Gibson and Keegan Aiken, toppling the Birds 13-1. to Joey Votto homered twice, but Ellie De La Cruz stole the show, hitting for the cycle to lead the Reds to their 12th straight win, 11-10 over the Braves. Matt Olson also homered twice for the Braves in the loss. Kenta Maeda struck out eight over five shutout innings to pick up his first win, while Royce Lewis and Max Kepler each homer to push the Twins past the Tigers 
four to one. Luis Ortiz allowed one run over eight innings to lead the Pirates past the Marlins three to one. Luis Arise went three for four to raise his season average to four oh two. Every Rays hitter collected a hit, though Jose Siri had the lone home run while also driving in four to lead Tampa Bay over the Royals eleven to three. Adolis Garcia smacked his seventeenth home run. Dane Dunning allowed two runs over seven innings, and the Rangers and the Rangers doubled up the Yankees four to two. Taiwan Walker continued his hot, his hot stretch with six innings of one run ball, and Brandon Marsh collected three hits as the Phillies won for the fourteenth time in eighteen games, taking down the Mets five to one. J.J. Blade homered and drove in three to push the A's to a 5-4 victory over Toronto. Vladdy Jr. hit his first Rogers Center home run of the season in the loss. Willie Adamas and Wade Miley teamed up to ruin my Friday, the former collecting four hits, including two home runs and five RBIs, the latter tossing six shot to drop his season RA to 291, the SOB, in the Brewers' 7-1 win over Cleveland. Willie Adamas, despite that 4-for-5 performance, still hitting just 216 as weirdly the best player on the Brewers. Rafael Devers homered and drove in two, providing the difference in Boston's 3-1 victory over the White Sox. Brian Bello allowed one run over six and two-thirds innings pitch to pick up the victory. Elias Diaz collected three hits, including a home run while driving in four to lead the Rockies past the Angels 7-4. Ha Sung Kim, Fernando Tatis, and Juan Soto combined for eight hits and six RBIs as the Padres crushed the Nationals 13-3. Um, Mookie Betts homered and drove in two to help lead the Dodgers over the Astros 3-2. And finally, Michael Conforto went three for four with four RBIs to lead the San Francisco Giants over the first-place Diamondbacks Eight to five. Zach, what do you got on tap today? All right, game one is in London. Justin Steele and Adam Wainwright, one ten. Cubs and Cardinals. The Orioles they'll take on the Mariners at home for a second straight day. Four oh five at Camden Yards. Bryce Miller takes on Dean Kramer, who's looking for his ninth win of the season. D-backs take on the Giants. Merrill Kelly gets Ryan Walker four oh five in San Francisco. Max Scherzer takes on Christopher Sanchez four oh five as the Mets take on the Phillies in Philadelphia. Rangers at Yankees. John Gray and Luis Severino, two veterans. Go head-to-head, 405 at Yankee Stadium. Hogan Harris, the lefty, takes on Jose Barrios, the righty, 405 at the Rogers Center, A's and J's. Kansas City takes on to be determined as Jordan Lyles takes the hill, looking for his first win of the season. He's lost 11 games. He has not had a single win for them with almost a 7 ERA, 410 at the Trop. Jared Schuster takes on Graham Ashcraft, 410 at Great American Ballpark. That's the Braves and the Reds. Red Sox take on the White Sox. James Paxton versus Lance Lynn, two season vets, 410 at Guaranteed Rate Field. Osvaldo Bito takes on Brian Hoeing as the Marlins are at home against the Pirates. That's at 410. Brewers take on the Guardians. Freddie Peralta versus Tanner Bybee, 410 at Progressive Field. Ronel Blanco takes on Bobby Miller, 715 at Dodger Stadium. That's the Astros and the Dodgers, two perennial contenders. Final three games of the night, Pablo Lopez takes on Reese Olsen, 715 at Comerica Park. Tigers are at home against the Twins. The Nationals will start Josiah Gray. The Padres will start Matt Waldron for his first start of the year, 840 at Petco Park. And finally, Griffin Canning takes on Chase Anderson, Angels and Rockies, 910 at Coors Field. Well done indeed. Man, that sky looks ominous. I'm, going- I, I'm telling you. That's why I'm wearing the hoodie. You're making uh, fun of me. But look, well, I'm no. going to be protected from the rain. You're going to be not. I'm That's in, all I'm saying. I, I am in shorts yeah. and a t-shirt, and I am hot right now. It really? Is, I'm not. It, it is. You're lying to me. It is. You're lying just, fine. D- just to not have to swallow your pride here because it is muggy in this office. It is I muggy am, in here, but like, I am, I'm not like, I am I'm, I'm not sweating. 
and Zach is over there. I walk in. It is June twenty fourth. Yeah, it is oh, seven. It's, it's pouring now. It's not raining at all. Yes, it you, is. No, it's not. I'm looking out the window you right now. You cannot see. There is not a rain come, drop. Come, come over here, Paul. I, I promise you, it is abs- It is a downpour right now. And since I wore this hoodie today, I will be completely protected from the rain. Zach, it's not raining a drop. What are you talking about? It's barely raining. It it's pouring. It is... Ab- it's it's fine, it uh, Paul. It, it, it's absolutely pouring. But regardless, regardless, th- this this is always the fit you wear in the rain because you won't get wet. That is not sweatpants. <laughs> it's and not sweatpants. I, I, it's not sweatpants. It's like it's like nylon pants. Oh, they your your tennis warm up pants. Yeah, yeah. That that's true. That's what I wear when I play tennis. Um. So Zach's definition of pouring and my, <laughs> my look de- how hard it's and, raining right now. It is n- Zach. You can barely see the rain. You can barely see it. Are you it sure is, your 2020 vision? Like, well, I have better vision than most people I know. It is the rain. Sure that, the, that? the rain that's coming down. If it were pouring, you would see puddles forming as we speak. They are not. Well, it's only been for like three seconds. So, as we started the segment, it started raining. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. It is. This is what's considered a drizzle. It's harder than a mist, but it's not even considered a rain. It is a drizzle. Okay. It is a drizzle. I'm glad, what, what, I'm glad you're the I, rain police. What, uh, I'm telling you, what, what, what I drove through yeah. on Glenarm Road mm-hmm. this morning, that is a downpour. It was. This, that's why, this I, that's why this I wore this. Isn't e- this isn't even full windshield wipers on. This is the, the this is like medium. Medium the, the, windshield this wipers. Is, this is sporadic it's windshield not like, wipers. We're not talking like, you know, Amazon rainforest rain or something, but we're, I can we're talking... Not, I cannot believe you looked at what it's doing outside right now, and you said... I mean, I wouldn't want to be out pouring. there right It's pouring. It's pouring. The whole point We can is, go outside and do the show in the rain if you want, if that I, make you happy. I, ha- I have an, umbra- an Orioles umbrella. In, there you on, go. So I guess you're not going to get wet. So I came into the studio this morning, mm-hmm. and Zach is wearing a thick red hoodie, yeah. and he's wearing long nylon warm-up pants. Well, when I get home and I don't have to go outside anymore, then I'm not going to wear this. I mean, I'm, I'm just wearing this because I'm going to... And I, and I looked at him and I said, what, what month do you think it is? He is legitimately dressed like it's mid-February. I mean... If you were to look at both of us, you wouldn't be able to tell what the weather is outside. Because one of us is dressed for February and one of us is dressed for the month that it is, which is June. I'm going to say that's you dry, had, though. If you had no other information other than what the two of us were wearing, you would be like, what the hell month is it? You would have no clue. You would have no clue. Zach looks like he's ready to bundle up with hot chocolate in front of a TV. Maybe I will do with that, it, Paul. With a blizzard outside. Oh I, my I, God. God bless you if you're drinking hot chocolate on June 24th. Oh, God I, I drink hot chocolate all the time. But I'm, I'm more of a do coffee you really? guy. really? I drink two cups of coffee every day. One at... One in the morning, one at night. Although I don't drink another bat around morning because I know I'm gonna have to pee, and then I don't want to run out of here and pee every time we have a you know guest on or something. Like I don't want to. I don't, don't do want to be running in and dumber. out, but. I, oh, I drink two man. cups of coffee a day, an occasional hot chocolate. Yeah. If I were wearing what Zach's wearing right now, I would be so uncomfortable. I would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not then. My God. my It's June. This went bro. on a long time. It's late June, bro. You want me to take it off for you? Is that what you want? No, you leave it on, <laughs> okay, man. Okay. You, 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 you made <laughs> your bed. You made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. But my God, man. Okay. It's, it's... And he's like... I ask him. I'm like, why would you wear? Why that? are you so upset about this? That's and, and what I'm really wondering. It's, it's so why? absurd to me. And he and his why? his reasoning is it's 73 degrees. It's seven, outside. It is 73 degrees outside. 73 degrees That's not is shorts not shorts and t-shirts weather. It 100 percent. No, is. it's not shorts and t-shirts weather until like 80 F- degrees. 50, 50. Oh my god. 
Anything above 65 is shorts weather. Look, I, if we lived in a different place, I'd agree with you. But we live in Maryland. And you know, it, it, the temperature is constantly fluctuating. Th- th- that's, that's even more reason. Look, because in Maryland, 73 degrees with the humidity that Maryland gets feels like 80-something. I'm not wearing, bothered, man. Wearing I'm, I'm fine. It, the, the air is thick. The, it, that sounds like your problem. I'm perfectly fine over here. I'm not, the one who's me, hot, I'm not the one who's mad about this. If you just said to me this morning... You know what? I woke up. It was cold in my house. I threw this on. I was like, it's raining. It was cold in my house. I, I was cold. I wore this. I know that I'm not really going to spend much time outside today. Mm-hmm. Then that's fine. But you tried to justify it by saying that it's 73 degrees outside. Yeah. Why would I not wear a 70- hoodie and sweatpants in 73 degree it's temperatures raining. in Maryland? It's in raining. June? You got to get a thin hoodie, man. You got to get one it of those. It is a thin hoodie. This that is, is not a thin this hoodie. It's very thin. I'm that, not. But I'm not. Okay. That is not a thing. I, I'm running out of ways to defend myself here. I don't think there's so much more I can say. You don't have to defend I think, yourself. I think you, I'm, you just got to own it. You got to own the I'm, fact I'm, that you, you dressed for late I'm still, winter, I'm still early spring. It. You dressed for late this winter, This is your excuse early... for wanting to see me strip, I think, no, or, you or just, something. You, I don't you, know. Like maybe. I, I don't know, but you got to own it. You got to I mean, own that you're dressed for late February. You got to own that because that's what you I, are. That's what you are. I'm just going to stay dry. You'll be nice and soaked, but Aaron I'll be, I'll be Hicks dry. sticks in O'Hearn to earn a spot, even when Mullins and Mountcastle return. O'Hearn to earn when they return. There you go. Hicks Congra- sticks. Hicks poet, sticks. you didn't even know it. Uh, sometimes I actually did have a poem pu- published when I was a teenager, but I think they were they said it was published and they wanted me to spend a certain you amount. You wrote of money. a poem. Um, I took creative. I, I, I mean, I really? was. I took creative writing in high school and in college. I, 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 I have an associate's degree in English. I minored. I did know in, that. I minored in English. I majored in journalism. I'm a writer. Yeah, I wrote poems <laughs> when I was a 15 year old kid, thinking that all my life's problems were the worst problems on earth. Yes, I wrote poetry. What would you write your poems about? I don't know, love and girls that didn't like me. I mean, <laughs> what what does anybody write poems about? This can of tuna fish is quite the dish. It I makes th- me feel like a little. <laughs> like what else would I write? That was poem? kind of impressive. Yeah, I, was, I know. You should I'm be a, a freestyle rapper. That should be your new. Oh career. my god! I tried to freestyle one time, and of I course was, you did. <laughs> I, was, I was drunk at a frat party what, and what? tried to freestyle, and it was it was awful. That's all. I, I can't even remember what I said. Oh, it, probably about tuna fish. No, it was awful. Oh my god! It was because when I was a freshman in college. That was when Eight Mile came out in theaters, so everybody was trying to freestyle. And I remember I was, something else that you told me about your time as a freshman in college, but I'm not going to say it on the air. I d- please don't. I don't. Even, I, won't. I can't even imagine what it was. It was I'm so much ridiculous to see when I was 18 years yeah. old, 20 years ago. Frostburg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for a year. Um, right. For a year. And then you came home and crushed some baseballs at HCC, or was that later? Um, I didn't crush some baseballs. I came home and played college baseball. You hit one, for, you for, hit one home run. I, I do know that. Not at HCC. Oh, not at HCC. No, I, I, I hit a ball off the top of the fence at oh, HCC. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. I've homered a few times at HCC playing in like summer leagues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but not um, not while I was on the college team. Got it. Got college got team it. now, I would have been cut the first day. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Quite good. Yeah, back then, though, I think we went like 4-32. and 32 Nice. We are not even talking about the Orioles. Anyway, Aaron Hicks has been playing exceedingly well for the Orioles this year, and so has Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn, I think he had the second he has the second highest batting average in the month of June. He has the highest OPS on the team. This team as a whole is earn... Uh, I'm sorry, these two players on the whole are earning the right to play every day, even when Cedric Mullins and Ryan Mountcastle return. Aaron Hicks, in 19 games with the Orioles, has a slash line of 310, 412, 
553-963. He's got an OPS plus of 168, the highest on the team. 10 walks to yeah. just the 12 strikeouts, 3 home runs, 10 ribeye stakes, 3 stolen bases, uh, 3 doubles and a triple amongst his 18 hits. Ryan O'Hearn, 330, 366, 596, 962, a 164 OPS+. plus. He's got 6 home runs, 7 doubles, and 20 ribeye stakes. 6 walks to 25 strikeouts. Not quite the walk-to-strikeout ratio of Aaron Hicks. But nevertheless, these two guys have earned the right to play every single day. So yeah. now, and Brandon Hyde said yesterday before the game that he's going to have a hard time taking them out of the lineup when Mullins and Mountcastle return. Yeah. You don't, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, right? Because you, if, if you're looking at your outfield, your left fielder is going to be Cedric Mullins. Your center fielder is going to be... Um, I'm sorry, your left fielder is going to be Austin Hayes. Your center fielder is going to be Cedric Mullins. Yeah. And your right fielder is going to be Aaron Hicks. That gives you your best defensive outfield. Right. Anthony Santander moves to occasional DH, occasional first sure. baseman. Every now and again, when you want to give a guy a day off, you put him in right field. Ryan O'Hearn should be playing first base until the other foot drops, mm-hmm. right? Ryan Mountcastle, at this point, is the new Ryan O'Hearn. Well, I'll be honest. He's got to earn his his right to be in that lineup. Every Correct. Time. And Ryan Mountcastle is coming dangerously close. We talked about it when I was on Glenn's show like two weeks ago, and this was before... You know, he's still on the injured list. Things have, I, I think this is before he was on the injured list, and he was, you know, hitting like Ryan Malcastle's been hitting all year. He's coming dangerously close to the Orioles having to actually make a decision on him, whether that's just to be benching him, which is the most likely scenario at this point, but also you consider a trade, you consider a sending demotion? him down to AAA. I mean, when, when you're not really hitting the ball and you're, a first baseman, <laughs> there's not a lot of leeway a team's going to give you. And I think the Orioles have given him more than enough leeway at this point. What I think that there's a chance that we could see, and honestly, when I say it out loud, it's not going to happen. But it would not shock me if we saw Orioles make a roster move, Ryan Mountcastle activated from the 10-day IL option to AAA. It could very well happen. It, I think it's what needs to happen. And what's really funny is that you know, you have, obviously, Ryan O'Hearn doing all of this. And like you said, the other shoe might drop at some point. We're kind of waiting for that. Right. But you have two guys right now in the minor leagues, all of a sudden, and this wasn't really the case a year ago, that are legitimate first base options. Kobe Mayo is tearing the cover off the ball right at now. At double A. He's got to get the triple True, a. but double A is good competi- a very good competition. I yeah. mean, a lot of top prospects there. He's facing good arms. And then you look at Heston Kerstad, who has just been lighting the world on fire in AAA. And honestly, I think Heston Kerstad is every bit as close to a call-up as Colton Kowser is right now. Well, I said at the beginning of the year. That, that, you did that, say that, yeah. That, I, yeah. that my bold prediction was that Heston Kerstad was going to make it to yeah. the majors before Colton And that's Kowser. because, they're they, frankly, they're probably going to have a spot for Heston Kerstad at some point. If yeah. Ryan O'Hearn isn't the guy that we th- really are seeing right now and we think he is, then Heston Kerstad is the guy that it's, is going to step into that role. Ryan Malcastle right now has not proved, and I don't think he's going to continue to prove, uh, that he is a guy that deserves to be in the lineup every day. Heston Kerstad has done everything at AAA to make you think he's that guy. You you look at Heston Kerstad in 15 games at AAA, 54 at bats, he is slashing 333, 410, 685, 1095. Just the three walks to 14 strikeouts, but of his 18 hits, 10 of them are for extra bases. Yep. Four homers, five doubles, a triple, four RBIs. Then you go to Colton Kalzer. 328 in a much larger sample size. 328, 459, 539, 998. He's got nine homers, 
Nine doubles, a triple, 36 RBIs, and a much more favorable 43-54 to walk-to-strikeout yeah. ratio. And then you drop down one more to Jordan Westberg. 289, 368, 567, 935. He's got 18 home runs, 15 doubles, two triples, 53 runs batted in. He leads all Orioles yep. in RBIs. I, well, you know what? No, Josh Lester, I think he has four RBIs at the big league level, doesn't he? By the way, Josh Lester will be the casualty for Ryan Mountcastle. Oh, he's absolutely Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I, I, I would hope Ryan McKenna is going to be the casualty for Cedric Mullins. And not to harp on last night's game anymore, but one of those three hits was a pinch hit appearance by Ryan McKenna. Yeah. That's that, ab- that just tells you how, how bad the offense is and how bad you need Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Jordan Westberg. And they're again, they're knocking on the door. And Kobe Mayo probably takes that spot if one of them is and, moved and, up. And the argue, and, and by the way, um, Lester between the two levels has fifty four runs batted in to to Westberg's yeah. fifty three. Okay. And here's the thing that people are saying: Well, you know what Mateo and what Frazier bring you at the big league level. Yeah. Westberg and Kalzer are unknowns, and there's not many people saying this. There's not a chance. I guess there's a, always a chance, but. Westberg, Kalzer, Kerstad are better baseball players, even right now, sure. than Adam Frazier, Jorge Mateo, and Ryan McKenna. But I want to see the Orioles I'd do. I'd argue they're better baseball players than just about half the roster. More than that. More than that. I mean, I mean especially when it comes to Colton Kalzer. Look, I, look, at this, look at this offense right now. This offense is offensive. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Wow. Um, I like that. I like that face you made in, you eight, in eighteen games in June. Yeah, the Orioles have scored three runs or less ten times, including last night. Right, that's ten I, well, times. That's, and then again, when one of your hits is from last night, out of the three, is Ryan McKenna off the bench? Off the bench, you know there is a problem that yeah. has to be addressed. And the fact is, again, I don't want to keep harping on it, but the fact is, Jordan Westberg has done nothing to make you think that he's not going to do this at the next level. And, of course, it, he's going to have to adjust to Major League Pitching, mm-hmm. and his numbers will go down. He's not going to hit, you know, he's not going to have a 400 on base percentage or whatever crazy number it is 368. right now. 368. But Jordan Westbrook has done everything he needs to do, and Jorge Mateo and Adam Frazier currently aren't doing those They've things. They've done everything they need to do to prove that they don't belong on the team. Right. Except it, it, for the, defensively. Well, but you, you, even you said that, that Adam Frazier's looked pretty bad defensively, as far as the metrics say. Yeah, and you wouldn't think that Jordan Westberg is going to be a bad defender. He may not be Jorge Mateo. He's not Jordan. Or, Jor, uh, he's certainly not Joey Ortiz. But he's, a, in my opinion, a better bat than both those guys combined. So what, what I what I look at here is wholesale changes. Because if you look at the Orioles bench right now, Joey Ortiz is hitting two fourteen, and it's he, he, but it's because he's not playing. Mm-hmm. Give him everyday starts at. Shortstop, right? Call up Westberg and give him everyday starts at second base. Move Jorge Mateo to your bench and have him be a defensive replacement and a pinch runner, right. like a Jared Dyson, right? On, and then, well, to be honest with you, Jorge Mateo can take Ryan McKenna's spot. Yeah, he very well. He can. absolutely can take Ryan McKenna's spot. Kalzer, God love him. You can understand why he's not here. Yes, yes. you can un- because who's he replacing? Austin Hayes? No, no. Cedric Mullins? No. Um, Anthony Santander, no. 
Aaron Hicks, not this Aaron Hicks. Not right now. Not no, the Aaron no. Hicks that's that's got uh what is it, a nine ninety eight OPS, <laughs> yeah. uh, OPS with a three ten batting average and a four twelve on base right. percentage. I mean you not, can't, not you can't that argue guy. with that. There's not a single outfielder that gets regular playing time on this team that Colton Cowser should be replacing right now. Ask me in a month. Ask me in a month. But Ryan McKenna doesn't deserve to play anymore. It, it, we talk about his. I, I've never been impressed with his defense. I hate how he catches a fly ball. I agree. He catches it next to his ear. How do you see that ball <laughs> under the glove? Yeah. How, yeah. If you wa- you watch the difference in how Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes and Anthony Santander catch a fly ball, they catch it with the glove over their head. Yeah. You watch Ryan McKenna, he catches it over his left shoulder next to his ear. Correct. How do you watch the baseball into the glove? And then we wonder, how does he drop a pop-up It's also very two? easy to palm a ball like that. It's very, yeah. Because your palm is what's really directly sitting up in right. that situation. Whereas you're going to have your hand turned when you're catching a ball over your head. Now, it's a lot easier to palm a ball and, than catch and, it in the web. And have you seen some of the angles he takes on fly balls. Oh, it, it's not good at all. He did make one play, though. I was at the day game, I think it was the week before this one, um, where he made a running catch over his shoulder in center field. It was a, mm-hmm. a very good catch, ran into the wall. That was I, the, I, best, the best catch he's made all year, in I, my opinion. I, I watched that catch, but mm-hmm. I remember thinking as he's making that catch, Cedric Mullins catches that ball standing oh, still. Oh, of course he does. Catches, he catches yeah. that ball standing still. I I still didn't like the route. It looked like he made the, the, the degree of difficulty on that catch, because I know the exact one you're talking about. He made the degree of difficulty on that catch look so much harder, you're, you're, higher you're, you're than it actually right. was. Yeah, Cedric Mullins would have gotten under that most likely. But yeah. the ball that was that he played into a triple, the other no, he played it into a double because he took a route to try and dive for the ball wasn't close enough to dive and then it gets by him. Yeah. You got to know and you got to cut you got to take an angle to cut that ball off. I think he takes yep. he takes really bad angles he to does. the baseball. He he's always trying to cut the ball off and then a lot of times he doesn't. And then he's going to have to backtrack because the mm-hmm. ball gets to the wall and gets past him. He he did that at the day game as well. I mean and that's and, another situation where you look at Ryan McKenna and you go, "What value is he actually bringing here?" And while we're at it, Josh Lester's the third baseman. Mm-hmm. Why on earth, when you have th- bare minimum three really capable outfielders on your roster currently, why on earth is Ryan O'Hearn ever playing right field and Josh Lester playing first base? Ryan O'Hearn does not look comfortable out there. It looks a lot like when Ryan Mountcastle played left field. Mm-hmm. and Probably better because Ryan Mountcastle is pretty horrible in left field for the most part. But Ryan O'Hearn isn't comfortable out there. That's not his spot. He's a, He should be the everyday first baseman. And an occasional DH. Yeah. It's all he should ever see. Exactly. Exactly. Anthony Santander, until Mullins comes back, should be playing right field. Because at least he can track a fly ball. Right. And get under it. And he's made some really nice plays. And he had a really nice throw home yesterday that kept a runner at third base from tagging. Yeah, his arm's pretty good. Yeah. It's not bad. Anthony Santa, and he, he was a gold glove finalist in 2020. Now, yep. look, it's a, it's a small, very small sample size. He was and good he, across and, the and board in 2020. missed, like, the last 27 games of the year in 2020. But I would much rather see Santander in right field than Ryan O'Hearn. And I believe yep. that Santander DH'd that game. So why would you not have Santander? I don't know. You want to get him off his feet. I understand that. There are other ways to do that. You can DH him the next day. But there should never be an instance where you have a third baseman playing first base and a first baseman playing right field. That's stupid. Well, look, at the end of the day, Brandon Hyde loves positional versatility. He loves those guys. I mean, that's why you look at 
I, I, everybody does. I, Ben sure, Zobrist I mean, is, was an incredibly versatile player. I right. love Ben Zobrist. The fact, but the my is point is, Ryan O'Hurd isn't Ben Zobrist. <laughs> you're, 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 squ- you're squ- exactly. You're squeezing a square hole into a round, into a yes, round circle, yes. a square peg into a round it, hole. It, it's trying to make things happen for the point of it instead of actually for the result. Yeah, in my opinion, like, oh, let's see if Ryan O'Hurd can play right field. How fun is that? Well. It might be fun to see if Ryan Horn can play right field, but is it actually producing good results? As we've seen, not really. He basically more or less dropped a fly ball about a week ago. The, 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 it, he played it into a triple off the bat of Cody yeah. Bellinger, and in actuality, they ended up changing it to an error because it should have been. It wasn't an just, error. Just yeah. like the ground ball that Adam Frazier missed yesterday, mm-hmm. that should be an error. Yeah. Because, and they were saying on the broadcast, first of all, Adam Frazier will tell you that he needs to make that play every single time. Sure. Right? But they said, oh, it's a base hit because it didn't touch his glove. Well, how many times have you seen a ground ball go between somebody's legs and it didn't touch their glove? Right. That's an error 100% of the time. That was an error. It, someone said it changed the World Series one day. If you, <laughs> You've ever heard of that situation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can make excuses for Ryan O'Hearn, too. It's not his natural position. Adam Frazier, much less excuses to be made there. Well, then it goes back to the point of, well, we really love what Jorge Mateo and Adam Frazier bring defensively, and we don't want to lose that. Okay, well, then, but you don't care about having a natural first baseman playing right, right field. You don't care right. about defense then. The, right field matters. Mm-hmm. It, it, this isn't Little League. Right field matters. And you yep. you need a guy, your guy with the strongest arm on your team usually plays right field. And, and with that scoreboard in Camden Yards, you need a really good right fielder. It matters. You can't, yes, up the middle defense is the most important part of defense on on a team. Sure, bar none. That's why the Orioles are, have been so good is because they have Adley Rutschman, Jorge Mateo, Adam Frazier, and Cedric Mullins up the middle. Right. Although, Adam Frazier has never been spectacular. I mean, he makes the plays. He well, again, according to the metrics, he's been horrible this year. He's been absolutely the worst you can be yeah, as far the, as outs the, above average goes. Nothing has been flashy about no. him, and when he needs to make the flashy play, he generally doesn't. He's, he's really just, good at a short hop pick, but he yeah. he doesn't make diving plays. So he's not. This is going to sound like a weird comparison, but I'm going to make it anyway. He's not as good as JJ Hardy was. But he is a very similar style defensively to JJ Hardy. Yes, that's the way yes. I look at it. Like it's a very, it's not a flashy guy at all. He's going to make your routine plays, and not as many of them because I think JJ Hardy had JJ a little more t- range. JJ Hardy, the range wasn't great, but he made up for it by fielding everything right. he, he could get to. Right. Any ball that he could get to, he fielded it exactly. And, and, and Adam think- Frazier doesn't do that. And I think it's the complete opposite with Jorge Mateo. The range is incredible. He can get anywhere. He can dive into any hole, or he can go back over his head, or, or catch a fly He's ball over his shoulder. Lunker. He can do anything. But what he doesn't do is make a lot of routine plays. It makes yeah. a, a lot of them, but not all of them. Yeah. And you look at Adam Frazier, and it's the complete opposite kind of defender. Again, like that more J.J. Hardy style. Sure. So if, if So if you're asking me, you can get more offensively out of Joey Ortiz and get the same defensively. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't catch a foul ball that's 120 feet down the left field line. Yeah. But he's going to feel every ground ball hit to him, and he's got the arm strength. He's got the range. He's, yep. he's got the flash. Ortiz has the best hands in the Orioles organization. Oh, he, at, Bar none. He looks natural oh, yeah. at every infield position, second to third. He's Again, he's a vacuum cleaner where he's going to catch everything, yep. 99% of what comes and to him. We're Not at a, everything, we're at a but point 99%. now where he should be playing every single day at shortstop until he gives yep. you a reason not to play him. And you can't take a game, one or two games every week, and say, that's why he's not playing. Right. Give him some run. Because you've given Jorge Mateo more run than any player should deserve. Do you think that the Ortiz situation is kind of symbolic to 
what they actually think about his entire profile? Or do you think that it's just not... I think that they want to give Jorge Mateo every chance he, they can to have him break out, and I think that they're paying Adam Frazier $8 million this year. Well, that's definitely the case when it comes to Frazier. Yeah. And you're yeah, probably we, right on Mateo. We got we to catch a break before we get Je- Jeff Arnold on the line, so we're going to do that when we come back in. Jeff Arnold from the Orioles Radio and Mass and Television Network will join us. That's next on The Batter Round. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank you all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back in to the battle round. Zach is going to go ahead and get Jeff Arnold on the line. In the meantime, I want to remind you the press box is Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports 
or listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Hall of Famer John Smoltz, Giants first baseman and Baltimore, Baltimore native Lamont Wade, and Orioles legend Mike Boddicker. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now, always a treat when we get to have him on the show. He is Orioles broadcaster Jeff Arnold. Jeff, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm on my way to the ballpark and trying to navigate through a little bit of traffic. So you guys are going to keep me entertained, hopefully for the next little while as I try and break my way through this. Well, I'll tell you, it was um, it was raining here just a little bit ago, and now it looks like we got blue skies on the horizon. So it looks like the the weather should be good for the for the game today. I will be at the ballpark myself after the show today for for today's game. Um, last night's game. We don't want to talk about it, Jeff, but we kind of have to. Um, Kyle Gibson, really, really bad last night. Three hits, uh, I'm sorry, three innings pitched, seven hits, five runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Really bad last night, but he's been as good as we could have hoped for otherwise. What has the addition of Kyle Gibson meant to this team, and what does it mean moving forward as they chase a, a playoff spot? No, I think he's been kind of what Jordan Lyles was for the Orioles last year. I think probably a better version of Jordan Lyles, sure. to be honest. Um, you know, he he's just a really good member of the clubhouse, and he's I think he's somebody that came into his current role. And I don't think he, you know, I don't think he asked to be a leader, but I think he realized that that was going to be the role he'd serve on this team. He's been really good to the young guys, helped him out, has been a the sounding board, very encouraging. I mean, he often talks about what it was like in his early days with the, the Twins and how guys like Mike Pelfrey and Phil Hughes did that for him. And I think he's trying to, you know, be a be a good guy and, and sort of return that favor. And, and if you ask anybody across baseball, Kyle Gibson's got a sterling reputation. Um, I think, you know, more practically, one thing he set a good example of is if you get off to a bad start, um, you got to put the inning aside and you need to keep going. So, you know, it may not have meant a lot at the time, but, you know, Tyler Wells, after that really tough second inning in, in St. Petersburg, you know, the fact he was able to rebound and give you three innings after, or maybe now they like Kyle Bradish had in Milwaukee, where he has a long first inning and then finds a way to, you know, push his way into the sixth inning. And we've seen it with Dean Kramer, too. You know, that's the kind of stuff that saves the bullpen over the course of the season. And it also. You know, very well might save your, your, your ERA over the course of a year because if you give up on a game because you have a bad inning, then you know, you're going to look back at the season, as Kyle has said many times, you're going to realize, I gave up a lot of innings and eventually adds up. So I think the guys have learned that if you have one bad inning, just move on and, and try and get to the next one. If they don't take the ball from you, keep going out there and trying to get out. So I feel like for Kyle, he's set a good example of doing that. You know, last night wasn't a good start, and we all kind of know that, and he would tell you that too. But um, for the most part, what he's done, the body of work he's produced, quality outings, the, the deeper outings, um, that's what you were signing up for when you, you brought Gibson on board. Absolutely. And, and then, Jeff, you look at this rotation as a whole. Heading into last night, you have three starters. Well, you have four starters who have made 13. Or We've got a lot of them. Um, are you still there, Jeff? Oh, okay. We, we, we got a lot of feedback coming back in. But um, um, going into last night's start, you have 
Uh, four starters who have made 13 or more starts for the Orioles this year. Three of those starters are on pace for 178 or more innings. And they also have you have three starters who are whose ERAs again going into last night were sub four, and then the other one, Dean Kramer, uh, is six and two with a three thirty three ERA since the beginning of May. We keep hearing how this team needs an ace, but this team has been quietly consistent with their starting rotation. Uh, how important is that stability? And do the Orioles really do do they really need a, a legitimate ace, or is it more so they need? A strong middle reliever or two. I'll go with the first first question first. Um, you know, I think the stability has been great to see, and I think it comes at a time where you need to give your bullpen a little bit of a break. I mean, remember, Paul, you don't have a true long guy now. Right. Um, last night, right. you, you kind of saw that. You know, you you get two innings at a glass feed. You know, Keegan Aiken comes in, kind of struggles. Um, you get you get Mike Bauman could probably give you a couple of innings, but you know, because of the type of games that the Orioles play, um, you might have somebody that starts off as a long guy, but they rarely are serving as a long guy because more often than not, you're locked in, in really tight games. I mean, the Orioles have played so many of those this year. Um, so I think when you can get more from the starters and it takes stress off the bullpen, that's that's great. And that the group has really you know, done a good job in, in June. There's been more quality starts. Last night snapped a string of um, 12, straight games where you had your starters give up three earned runs or less. That's definitely really good, and I think it was 20 out of 21 games. So so great to see that. Um, to go into the other starter thing, I, I think you do. I mean, you need to probably get another starting pitcher because it, it's something that can take additional stress off your bullpen, uh, maybe eliminate some of the problems when it comes to bridging the gap between uh, Cano and, and Bautista. And the other part of it, too, is, you know, that type of stuff shows up in playoff series. You know, it's really beneficial to have an ace you can send out there who, who you, you can pencil them in and, and you know what they can do. And, and I think Tyler Wells is, has become that a little bit for the Orioles. But, but I do think they probably need another starter. And then for right now, the, the, the underbelly is, has been the, the middle relief part where, you know, you get into the sixth or seventh inning. And, you know, obviously the Tampa Bay Rays are the Tampa Bay Rays, but you know, when you have a seven nothing lead and it, it kind of d- disappears on you, um, and you, it might mean that you have to use Cano and Bautista on a night where you, you figured you wouldn't have to, and that stuff you have to figure in as well. Where if you get a starter and go a little bit deeper in an outing, preserve a lead later, then maybe it relieves the stress on those couple of guys. Lately, they haven't pitched a lot, so that's been good, but it is something that you need to factor in over the course of a long season. Yeah, and. Every team is going to need starting pitching, Jeff. We understand that. And there's going to be 20 teams plus that are going to be thinking that they're in it come at the, come the trade deadline who are going to be looking for starting pitching also. We know the Orioles have the number one farm system in baseball, but are they going to give up what it's going to take to get one of those frontline starting pitchers, somebody like a Corbin Burns or a Marcus Stroman or a Lucas Giolito, or are we looking at somebody – who is more middling than that? Maybe like a, I don't know, Stan keeps bringing up Patrick Corbin, for example. Are we looking more middling or a guy who's more of a frontline starter? Well, you know, it's a good question, and it's one that it's kind of hard to answer right now. I mean, because if you're a team in the Central, unless, uh, unless you're the Kansas City Royals, um, you're probably feeling like you're in it right now. I mean, you look at the NL Central, and from what I saw, I don't think the Brewers are a great team. 
I think Corbin Burns is a terrific starter, but I don't know if they're going to give him up. I think the Cubs are, are a pretty darn good team, at least what we saw when we were there. So I don't know about Marcus Stroman if they're giving him up either. Um, so as you kind of point out, like I think what you do need is a starting pitcher, but how many teams are going to be willing to deal? I mean, I think you're you're looking at sellers right now. If you go across baseball, and it's probably five teams. So are they going to have what you really need? I don't know. I think that a, a middle reliever or maybe an additional guy to your bullpen is something that you can bank on finding. But um, you know, I think as as far as your question, that remains to be seen. Just because you know we're at the end of June and there's so many teams that are that are still in it right now, especially from the from the NL Central and the AL Central with the expanded playoffs now, um, I think it's encouraging teams to, to kind of stick it out and, and keep going. And then even teams like the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, they might have had a bad year, but, but from what I've heard, I, I don't get the sense they're going to be in, in sell mode. I, I think they're going to probably try and stay the course. Yeah, I would imagine. I, I feel like they, they have the best roster on the um, – hang on one second. I feel like they have the best roster in the in the National League Central. The Reds, of course, have been on fire, and the Orioles are going to see them here in Baltimore starting on Monday. They've won 12 straight, but I don't think that the that the Cardinals are out of it by any stretch of the imagination at this point in the season. And I think the Orioles, as much as they need a starting pitcher, as much as they need a, a relief pitcher or two, they also need a, a bat for the middle of their order. And you look at what they're getting from their middle infield, Jeff, where Jorge Mateo is hitting 221 with a two. 60 on base percentage. Adam Frazier is hitting 223 with like a 280 on base percentage. They both are really below average offensive players in OPS plus. And then you have a guy like um, Joey Ortiz gaining cobwebs on the bench and you have Jordan Westberg in the minor league system who's your reigning minor league player of the year who's tearing the cover off the ball at AAA this year and has been a better offensive player this year than last year when he hit 27 home runs and drove in 106. At what point are we going to see the Orioles bring up Jordan Westberg and give give he and Joey Ortiz solid run as their everyday starting middle infield. Well, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I'll take Frazier first. I mean, I know that he's gotten some heat from some fans. A couple of numbers I would point to with Adam Frazier. His batting average is probably in the two twenties. You look at his expected batting average, it's at about two seventy three. Looked at this yesterday. He had the fifth worst batting average on balls in play in baseball. And you saw in the last day against the Rays, there were two balls that he hit that could have been hit and weren't. Um, he's just perpetually had bad luck. For him, Mateo, I mean, he's kind of lost to the play right now. I think we know that. Um, swinging at a lot of stuff, not making very much contact, almost never walking. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, you have Aaron Hicks who's come in from Mullins, and he's been really good. You have Ryan O'Hearn who has been one of the best offensive players in the game since May 30th. And so you ask yourself the question, you have those two guys stepping in, you're still scoring, you know, runs. And and I know that a lot of people are like, well, you know, you need to get more offensively. But as Brandon High pointed out last night, if you have bad up-the-middle defense, you're in trouble. And with Mateo, he's one of the best shortstops defensively in baseball. And Adam Frazier is a very good defensive second baseman. So, you feel very comfortable, and your pitching staff probably feels really comfortable with those two guys up there, even though you're not getting a whole lot of productivity. I, I tend to think that for Frazier, things will find a way to get better. With Mateo, I think you're keeping your fingers crossed that they will. I don't think there's any easy answer to the question because I do see the numbers that you're getting from your shortstop and your second baseman this year, and it's you know it's hurting your offense, let's 
be honest. But but those two guys give you so much defensively, and when you're you're an Orioles team that that's predicated on, you know, right now if you pitch well, you have you have good defense. Um, if you take those two guys out of the equation, not to say that Joey Ortiz isn't a really talented infielder, he is, and not to say that Jordan Westberg hasn't been impressive at AAA. It, it's been it's been really good. Um, you just kind of have to factor that piece in, and you know, as you mentioned, getting offensive you know, help, um, that very well might come from within. I mean, that might be Westberg. That might be Colton Kowser. Um, to me, I, I feel like for the Orioles, you can you can maybe upgrade internally from there, from where you are inside. Um, as far as, like, the pitching side, that's probably something that, that I think you would have to, to go maybe outside the organization to get. And um, But, you know, those are questions that, that have to be answered. And, you know, I think in particular with Jorge Mateo, that's a – that's a really tricky question right now that I think uh, I think everybody's trying to get answered. And Jeff, you mentioned Colton Kowser. Uh, with when it comes to the infield, you have fans have a legitimate gripe when it comes to Jordan Westberg. There's no reason to believe that he can't perform at least better than what we've seen from the middle infield. When it comes to Colton Kowser, yeah, he's tearing the cover off the ball at AAA and he's walking almost as much as he's striking out these days. But who's he going to replace? Because Austin Hayes is leading the American League in hitting. Cedric Mullins is an all-star caliber center fielder, and he's coming back here any day now. Anthony Santander led all switch hitters in home runs last year and is having a better year this year than he did last year. And Aaron Hicks has a 310 batting average and 412 on base percentage since joining the Orioles. There's not really a spot for Colton Kowser right now. What are the Orioles going to do when he's proving that he's done everything he needs to do with AAA? You know what, Paul? As we have learned, a lot of times these questions get themselves answered. Yeah. Um, nobody could have predicted on Cedric Mullins suffering a groin injury on on Memorial Day, and nobody predicted that Aaron Hicks was going to be part of this team and that he was going to be contributing the way that he had. Um, and there was a spot open up for him. Same thing with Ryan O'Hearn. You know, there was an opportunity that, that presented itself for him, and then when Ryan Malcastle gets injured. I mean, there's been nobody better, really, over the last month um, in the Orioles lineup than, than Ryan O'Hearn has been. I mean, yeah, him and Gunnar Henderson have been great, but, I mean, Ryan O'Hearn, he's hit for power. He's using all parts of the field, and he's filled a void. So when Mountcastle comes back, whenever that is, it's going to be very hard to take him out of the lineup. Um, but I think, to your Kowser point, things happen all the time that we don't expect. Sure. And usually... These are the kinds of things that get answered on their own. So, so, I mean, you obviously don't want anybody to get hurt, but you realize that weird things happen in baseball all the time. And so when people are like, how are we going to get Westbrook here? How are we going to get Kowser here? Um, I, I, those are situations that, that I feel like tend to, tend to eventually take care of themselves. Yeah, and we, we've seen that time and time again this season, so I, I don't doubt that that's going to be the case here, too. It's certainly a, a, a good problem to have, and we've worn out that expression this season, but it is. It's a good problem to have. You mentioned, you know, when, when Mullins comes back, you can find a way to keep Hicks in the lineup every day. When Mountcastle comes back, Jeff, I don't, I don't see how... I feel like the roles have now reversed with O'Hearn and Mountcastle, where now Mountcastle is a guy who has something to prove at this point to earn his way into the everyday starting lineup because of what you mentioned O'Hearn has done over the last month. Not just one of the not just the best offensive player for the Orioles, one of the best offensive players in baseball in the month of June. Is Mountcastle now finding trying to earn his way back into the team? Or does he have a spot as soon as he comes back up? 
I mean, I think that he will. I just feel like it's going to be some of it will be matchup based. And you remember, remember you have the DH spot, and you know the Orioles have have kind of mixed that up a little bit. You've used that that spot for Rutschman. You've used it for Santander. You've used it for Mountcastle at times. You've used it for O'Hearn at times. So I think that's something that can can help you out. But you know, I think the number one concern now is just making sure Mountcastle gets his timing back, gets his swings in. Um, you know, he's I saw 0 for 11 with the with the ties, and he's had a bunch of time off, and is just, just trying to get back to get back to form. So, so I, I feel like for, for Ryan that when he eventually regains that rhythm and is, is feeling you know back to 100 percent, is able to go. Um, you know, he'll be able to rejoin the team and, and help the club out. Um, how that's all going to go, I think, remains to be seen. But um, you know, if I were if I've if I've seen how it's gone so far and, and how he's contributed, um, I'm, I'm probably not taking Ryan O'Hearn out of the lineup right now. Yeah, I don't know how you can justify taking him out, but it's something that the Orioles are going to, uh, their hand is going to be forced here in the next few days when all these guys start coming back and they have a lot of roster decisions to make. So we're in wait and see mode, but for right now, those guys are going to be in the lineup every day and they're producing uh, in the way that is going to keep them there. Now, Jeff, before we let you go, uh, we play a little game here. I believe you've played it with us in the past. It's called Take to Rake, where we each take um, the best, the player that we think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles um, from this Saturday to next Saturday. So last week, I took Gunnar Henderson. Zach took Ryan O'Hearn. And our guest, Todd Karpovich, took Ramon Arias. I asked Zach to come up with the numbers. His numbers were way off. So I've, I found That's the... That's directly from MLB.com, last seven game splits. It's not seven game splits, it's since last Saturday. Oh, good point. It, yeah, I didn't think about that. Last, they haven't played seven it's since games. since last Saturday. Okay, that's, so, that's on me. Jeff, we're going to go ahead, since you're the guest, we're going to let you go ahead and pick first. Who do you think is going to have the best week offensively for the Orioles? Um, I'm going to go with Aaron Hicks. Aaron I'm Hicks. I'm going to be Aaron Hicks. All yeah. right. So I'll, Je- I'll say Aaron Hicks. Jeff is going to take Aaron Hicks. Um, I actually won last week with Gunnar Henderson. He had a 286 batting average, 375 on base percentage, and a 946 OPS. Ryan O'Hearn was close, 294 batting average, but a 294 on base percentage and a 765 OPS. Uh, so I'm going to get to pick here. Man, this one is tough because my mind tells me to take Adley, but every time I take Adley, he goes something like one for 19. So I'm going to go ahead and take... Oh, man, this is a tough one. I'm going to take Austin Hayes. I'm going to take Austin Hayes. Zach, you are up. Uh, That's two good choices. I I think i got to go Gunnar Henderson then. All right, you're going to take Gunnar Henderson. Jeff, are you doing more radio or more TV this week? So I do radio for these next two games, and I'm actually off for the series against the Reds. Um, I get a couple of series off the year, so Cincinnati just happens to be one of them. And I'll be back to the Twins. I do that on radio. I do the Yankees on radio, and then I do the Twins on the road on on Madison. So, um, so yeah, a little a little bit of both uh, coming up. It's been more TV for me recently, but um, kind of a mix of radio and TV uh, until we get to the All Star break. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we look forward to tuning in regardless of where you are broadcasting the game from. Enjoy the game today. Hopefully, the Orioles get back in the win column. Jeff, always a treat when we get to talk with you. Hopefully, we'll talk again down the line. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks so much.
That was Jeff Arnold joining our show today. Always a, a treat. Jeff, Jeff's just a, a hell of a nice guy and yeah. a really talented broadcaster. So, so articulate, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I, I always uh, enjoy getting to listen to his broadcast. So I try to tune in as much as I can when I can. Definitely. So, um, so yeah. So Zach, you. Um, so Jeff took. Aaron Hicks, I took Austin Hayes, you took Gunnar Henderson. We are going to catch our second break, and when we come back in, we are going to do the better round and then have final thoughts to close things out. So that's next on the better round. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 gambler all right rolling right along here ready to wrap things up on the bat around today um 
And I've got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good uh, parlay today that I think I want to try. As long as my password works here, I think we'll be good to go. Aaron Hicks four home runs, Ryan O'Hearn four home runs. Probably that. Yeah, I. Th- yeah, I, I like that. I think that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this is the <laughs> bet that that we are doing here. And I just did this. I literally just did this because I'm actually going to place this bet myself. <laughs> you get a screenshot next time. I hang on. So I actually really like this bet. So I'm doing the over on nine runs okay. today in a same game parlay. To this is really frustrating. I hate this. This is that dead radio that I was that I was uh, talking to you about because I can't just hit done. I have to review. Uh, my order to put funds into my account. Um, I don't do. I do a lot of sports betting. I do a lot of sports betting. No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, but we are sponsored by by FanDuel um, and, and by a bunch of different sports books. So I do place bets from time to time. And this is a bet that I really like. It's a same game parlay. And again, I've said this on the show before. I like to go hard or go home. Right. When I say go hard or go home, I'm not betting $100, $1,000. My bets are generally $10, but they're at high, they're at, it's a high wager. Plus 44.36 is the wager today. So you bet $10 to win $443.63. And minus 115, I'm taking the over on nine runs. I just feel like today is a day that the Orioles offense is going to break out. Uh, I'm taking Gunnar Henderson at plus 430 to hit a home run. I'm taking Julio Rodriguez at plus 450 to hit a home run. I think he's doing it in the first game against Dean Kramer. And I'm taking Austin Hayes at minus 240 to record a hit. So again, a same game parlay for today's game between the Orioles and the Mariners, plus 44-36, over nine runs, Gunnar Henderson to homer, Julio Rodriguez to homer, and Austin Hayes to record a hit. And I have just placed that bet, so I'm on the hook along with everybody else. All right. Nobody is listening to me when it comes to this because I'm so bad at this. I have won one bet in my entire life, and that was on Super Bowl Sunday. There you go. Probably shouldn't say that, but at what point does somebody believe that I'm an expert? Well, you've had a lot of hits out of many more (laughs) that you've lost on on this show so far. And and, and here's the other thing. When I do these same-game parlays, I usually hit three of the four. Mm -hmm. I I usually hit three of the four, but I decided to stop doing, oh, this guy's going to hit a home run because that's too... As my my only bet, I will, I will say the only day to so narrow down when Pressbox had well they still have a lot of offers going on as you know but when they had the original offers come out when sports betting was legalized in Maryland which was in November I believe right around the first or second week I don't remember but I placed a lot of the free bets because they would get they gave you like fifteen hundred dollars in free betting money um, and I think I won around two thousand dollars, so I, I did pretty well. Not not, not terrible. I'm sure I'm a, I could have done a lot better. But for someone who knows nothing about this and has never bet outside of that in his life, I did okay. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, I, re- I remember you you talking about it. Yeah, I, I, I just and did like Thanksgiving promos and stuff. Like Ezekiel Elliott won me a lot of money. The the first bet around that we did for this season, um, I took Austin Hayes to hit a home run, and I took um. Alex Verdugo to hit a home run, and they both homered in that game. I think it was Mountcastle, but it could be wrong. No, it was Austin it was Hayes. Hayes. Okay. It was Austin Hayes. They both homered in. Oh, uh, they both uh, Mountcastle homered in that game. Oh, uh, okay. I think he and Hayes may have gone back to back, or Mountcastle homered, Santander got out, and then Hayes homered. Um, but they both homered in that game. Um, and but I said Austin Hayes and. Alex Verdugo, and they both homered. And Alex Verdugo, that was the, the long shot. 
But again, it was with Dean Kramer on the mound, yeah. and I said he's owned Kramer in his career. I bet he goes deep. And sure yeah. enough, I think he homered in the first inning. Um, but yeah, it had to have been in the first three innings because Kramer went three innings and gave up seven runs right. that game. <laughs> um, and that was a game that Ryan McKenna that they scored like eight runs off of Chris Sale, and Ryan McKenna dropped the fly ball that would have won the game. Yep. Yep, the Orioles could be at 50 wins right now. They could be. Actually, no, they would be 47-28. and 28. But I digress. Final thoughts. My final thoughts aren't an Orioles final thought. They're just a baseball final thought. Luisa Rice went 3-4 for four last night for the Marlins. He is now batting 402 on the season. Wow. Because I'm going to say this, the opposite's going to happen. <laughs> I think he's going to do it. I think Luisa Rice is going to hit 400 this year. Wow. I really do. It's one of those most unbreakable records. It is so hard to do this for an entire season. But we've seen Shohei Otani do the unimaginable the last three years, uh, this year included. I really think Luisa Rise is going to give 400 a serious run. A serious run. I think we're going to see him the last two weeks of the year be within 10 points of 400. He'll probably get close. And I I think that he's going to go on a tear to end the year to get over 400. And I don't think he's going to touch 406. But I think you'll see him hit maybe 399.8 or maybe like (laughs) 401. But I think Luisa Rides is going to hit 400 this year. That that dude just rakes. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah, That's something that... I do think it'll happen again at some point. I don't know if Arias will be the guy. Uh, I thought Juan Soto may be the guy, but that's starting to look like that may not be the case. But uh, that that'd certainly be really cool if he ended up doing that. That'd be a, a great story. Yeah, absolutely. You got a final thought for us today? I don't have a specific final thought. Uh, I just I I guess I want to keep harping on the on the Westberg argument. Get him up here. It's about time. There's no excuse otherwise. Let's make this happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, it it absolutely needs to happen. Absolutely, uh, that 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 should be the overall theme of the show. Really, it, yeah. is that Jordan Westberg? You know, regardless of what you think of Jordan Westberg, he's going to give you more than Jorge Mateo is right now, or Adam Frazier. I, I think that, that I think that is almost a guarantee. And, and you know, Jeff was talking about you really want that strong defense up the middle, and he kind of alluded to the fact that Joey Ortiz may, might have the best glove in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, majors through the minors, Adam Frazier. Like you said, one out above average. He, I, I, he's first percentile. He's first yeah. percentile of an outs above average. That's not good. No, Jordan Westbrook can do that. Oh and, yeah, and, and be a, and be a, yeah, and be a I, far better hitter. He's and Joey Ortiz can play just as good a defensive shortstop as he's gonna. I think he makes more routine plays. Well, than, I, than, I agree than, with that. Than Jorge Mateo will, and I don't think your defense is gonna suffer at all yeah. with those guys up the middle for you. And I think it's gonna add electric, electricity to this lineup. And I think that Ortiz, if you put him in that situation. Yeah, he's not going to do what Westbrook's going to do. He's not going right. to do what Gunner's going to do. But I think at the end of the year, you'll look up at Joey Ortiz and you'll see him with a 997 fielding percentage yeah. and a batting average probably 240, 250, and the normal base percentage around 300 to 310. Yeah. And that's going to be far and away better than what Jorge Mateo is giving you. Absolutely. We're, we're, no we are doubt. at a point in the year now where the everyday shortstop and everyday second baseman on this team should be Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westbrook. I said it last week. I'll say it again. We're going to see by August 2nd how serious this team actually is. Yeah. I, I, I want to believe that they're going to make the moves that they need to make to make the, yeah. to put this team over the top Well, they, year. They, they haven't yet, though. But, because but, Jordan uh, Westberg is one of those moves. Yeah, Jordan Westberg is one of those moves. Colton Kowser, I, I think he'd be one of the better hitters on this team. But, yeah. But you can't... It's not that I don't think he's going to be a better player than maybe Cedric Mullins or maybe Aaron Hicks. Right. But 
Though the Orioles outfield, aside from Ryan McKenna, have done nothing to lose it, their it, jobs. It's hard to disrupt what they have going. Yeah, that's what you're trying. They're, they're, that's that's the thing. I'll bet if you look, the Orioles outfield production is among the best in all of baseball. Probably uh, the left uh, all the way around, including you know you're talking about four outfielders. Yeah, I bet that there's not another outfield that touches them. I would think you're pretty close to being right on that. Uh, yeah, I mean Austin Hayes leads the American League in hitting. Anthony Santander leads the team in home runs, and he's actually got yeah. a 260 batting average and a 330-ish on base percentage. Yeah. Cedric Mullins, 13 steals, 8 home runs. He's second on the team in RBIs, and he hasn't played in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and he plays gold-glove caliber defense. You're going to be hard. And then Aaron Hicks, we've talked all day. I'll, sure. I'll show about what he's done in, in his 19 games here. Yeah. You are going to be hard-pressed to find a better, more productive outfield than what the Orioles have going right yep. now. And that's the only reason that you can justify Colton Kowser not being here because, exactly. again, he could be better than some of those guys, but they haven't done anything to lose If even one of those guys was struggling, I'd be making the argument otherwise. Right, But, but Colton Kowser, there is an excuse. Jordan Westberg, no excuse. No excuse. Absolutely no excuse. So, right. And I, I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen something come up Orioles roster move at this point. At this point, I can't it, believe that. At this I, point, I can't believe it. It's, you're counting down the days. I expected them. I expected Westberg to be here yesterday. With the day off Monday on Thursday, makes sense. and then Mon- this, uh, we, we could see this this coming Monday. Yeah, with the day off l- last Monday, I expected him to be here. Yeah, you, true. And again, Brandon Hyde, he's only Mateo's a couple of at bats away from breaking out. He has to say that, right? You're watching the same at bat from him every right. single plate appearance. Slider, if the if it's a right-handed pitcher that throws a slider. It's a right. slider that breaks into the other batter's box, and he's whiffing at it. Every if if it's time. a fastball. He may get a hit two out of ten times, maybe three out of ten times. Yeah. But if it's anything else, uh, Jorge Mateo is is lost at the plate, and, and the approach is so horrible. It's crazy because he's so far out in front on these breaking balls. Yep. He's not even close to them, and th- that was not the case in April. In April, he was hitting he was hitting sliders. He was he was hitting like three fifty on breaking balls. Do you want me to quickly look up his numbers against each pitch? Yeah, I can probably figure yeah, that out. If if you can figure that out, I would I would love to know because we are actually kind of ending a little early. It's 15 minutes later than our time slots say, but we are ending a little early here. I'll figure this out. It might take me a minute, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get there. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's going to uh, to take a little bit of, of time. Okay, so batting average against fastballs is 214. Against breaking pitches, it's actually 217. But I have to imagine that curveballs uh, really help that number. Um, and then we have for off-speed at 259. So clearly it's actually the changeup that he's hitting the best. It looks to be the case. Uh, but his slugging percentage is also by far the highest against uh, off-speed pitches. So change-ups is, again, what, what, he's, what he's really hitting well. And the breaking pitches, anything slider, curveball, not as hot. Uh, but really, across again across the board, nothing has really been been so good for him. Yeah, he's. Um, it, it, it will be interesting to see what those numbers were in April. Because he's been yeah. so bad since the, since May first that you really you have to go back to April to see any kind of success because he's done nothing successful since. Um, Here's an interesting thing: he's actually topping the ball four percent higher this year than he was last year, and he's also getting under the ball at about five percent less. So that's another interesting thing. You know, hitting a lot more ground balls and not. That's certainly going to ha- you know have a lot of uh, context here, and also the swing and miss is is a huge piece of context that we we could get into pretty deeply. But 
There's not a lot to love. When's the last time you saw him square around to bunt? It's been a while. With that speed, with that speed, he should be squaring around to bunt at least once a game. Yeah, I agree with that. The batting average and the on-base percentage are so absolutely abysmal. Yeah, there is no excuse for this guy to not be squaring around. To he's a nine hitter who really shouldn't be playing, and he has elite speed. He's got twenty stolen bases with a two sixty on base percentage. Right, twenty stolen bases. Right. What could he do if he got on base at like a three hundred clip? It'd be amazing. He should he should threaten to bunt every at bat, at least one pitch every at bat. He should be squaring around to bunt. Because even if they're they're playing for it, even if they're playing for it, now they're coming in, they're, they're pinching in at the corners. Maybe you get a fastball, you fake the bunt, and then you rip a line drive at the third baseman's right. face, and he has no right. time to react except for to get down. Square around at least once every at bat. Sure. For all I care, you have to do something. I remember in 2012, J.J. Hardy hit like 238. Yeah. And he was really struggling in the middle of the season. And I remember thinking to myself, he needs to lay down a bunt. If he's not helping the team offensively, there's there's a guy on first and second right now and mm-hmm. one out. Lay down a bunt, and then he did. Same goes for Mateo. Uh, Mateo absolutely should be squaring the With bunt. That speed. May, maybe once every at bat is a, is a little exaggerated, but multiple once to once twice a game, a game he yeah. needs to be uh, yeah. trying to. Sure. At least give yourself the opportunity. Make them think that they have to pinch you, so that then when you do hit a ground ball right at third base, it's has a better chance of getting by him. You were hurting yourself by not using your elite speed to your advantage. It's a weapon. Use it because you don't have much else offensively. Yep. Right? All right, we got to get out of here. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Jeff Arnold for another great segment. Uh, Thank you to all of our fans for listening. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. I actually had a nice chicken slider from Royal Farms for (laughs) breakfast this morning. It was delicious because Royal Farms has the best chicken in the world. Go to Royal Farms. Um... Thanks to all of our sponsors, all of our fans. Without you guys, we don't have a show. Thank you to Zach for the great work he does every every week. Thanks to me because nobody else thanks me. Uh, Thanks, Paul. (laughs) You're welcome. Good job, Paul. You're you're welcome. (laughs) We will uh, until next week, everybody. See ya.